Happy Halloween. Guess what, Trail Show Nation? Gossamer Gear is offering you a discount. Go to gossamergear.com to get 15% off many of their items using the discount code MUDFALCON2020. This discount is for everyone. You only get one use per customer and it's active from now until November 13th. So head over to gossamergear.com and use your discount code MUDFALCON2020. <laughs> and get, get your sweet deals now. All right, let's start the show, all you mud falcons. <laughs> You're tuned to the trail show. Get on the trail. Long time listener, first time caller. Arriba, 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 tota. It's the Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Junaid Special 41 Daoud. And I can't help but think that, you know, Trail Show Bump. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's the Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Walters studio in Boulder, Colorado, and Salida, Colorado's historic beer district, this is The Trail Show. The Trail Show is the longest-running monthly hiking podcast in the world and has been downloaded over <laughs> a million times in 160 countries across the globe. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide on all your favorite apps and at thetrailshow.com. Before POD sets the table for tonight's show want to thank everybody that went to a bonfire.com slash the trail show 2020 and picked up one of our new retro logo t-shirts sales were fantastic i think we sold over 100 shirts which for our tiny little podcast is pretty cool well so, you're welcome <laughs> because i definitely bought a few of those for myself let me tell Spesh you bought 70 of the 100 shirts so. but no yeah, thanks i, I took out a small business loan it's fine i've got it i've got an got idea the, the, the ppp loan to get some shirts yeah. yeah well anyway thanks folks for buying shirts that was awesome we probably won't do t-shirts again until next year but we might try to do hoodies or long sleeves at some point this mm. winter I will say that I am currently wearing a hoodie that I got from a uh, a bonfire uh, mm. fundraiser. Really, it's, it's pretty comfy. Very nice. Here, just here to tell you. Nice. We Good might quality. even do some face masks. Wow, <laughs> that'd be cool. But I was thinking it'd be like the face mask would be like Delo actually Delo's a picture of Delo's face from the nose down. So yeah, you would look like Delo, a half of Delo. Maybe. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah, that, that would, help with social that would be pretty funny. Yeah, it would help with social distancing out of order. So. <laughs> or if we could just get a bunch that are like Natty Ice. <laughs> or what was that? No, not Natty Ice. What was the uh, Natterday? Natterday. Oh, Natterday. Natterday. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cool. Well, um, it is October. Happy Halloween. Which means Happy Halloween. Halloween is just around the corner. Um, so this month we have an extra scary show for you. 
It's spooky season, everyone. It's spooky season. Ooh. It's neighborhood through hike season for children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just Resu- think if resupply just, them with sugar. Just think if on your through hikes every zero point zero five miles you got a mini sized candy bar. <laughs> That'd be um, Let's see. I, w- I would have diabetes as well. <laughs> right. Uh, we do not have a beer of the month, or so maybe just a quick round table what you're drinking. We have some trail news with special. We're going to talk about our backpack giveaway that's still going on. And we have an update from the German Wampire. Uh, we have a trail of the month, the Greater Yellowstone Route with Larry Boy, which is going to be pretty cool. Also nice known to have Larry as the, Boy on. the hero. Uh huh. Um, hero. Uh, let's see. We've got some hotline calls. Uh, we have a special guest interviewer. Interview. Sorry, we'll reveal that later. Got a couple of mailbag items. Um, I think we have an ask a hiker. We'll see when Dilo gets on later. We're going to review a movie, and you know, maybe some other things thrown in here and there. Are the other things sound effects? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Lots okay. of sound. I just I, I had wanted a lot to of, make sure that I, I had a lot of dairy here. today, so there's probably gonna be a lot of sound oh, boy. oh boy. Oh air horns. Oh boy. Boop, boop. What are you drinking there, Spesh? That looks like a Montucky cold snack. Oh god no. <laughs> um this is a Firestone Flyjack Hazy IPA. Wow, Firestone's is a good brewery. I went uh, on a little trip over the weekend. It was mainly me sitting in a car for a long time, uh, but also <laughs> there was some camping involved. Uh, and uh, yeah, this was what was on on selection at the uh, at the place I went to to resupply. Nice. I am drinking the Isla Morada uh, Beer Company, the Sa- Sandbar Sunday. Uh, which is only slightly better than Natter Day. No, just kidding. It's much better. <laughs> this is the American Wheat Ale, and this was actually brought to brought to my doorstep by the weekend himself. Isn't uh, Isla Morada down in the Keys? Yeah, it's so. one of the Keys. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. It's delicious. It's quite refreshing. Very nice. What do you got, Triple O? I'm drinking from Dry Dock Brewing Company in Aurora, Colorado. A sour apricot, sour Ooh. blonde ale brewed with apricot puree. I've it's also got their, a beautiful picture of a mermaid on it. I've had their apricot. I've never had their sour apricot. How is it? It's good. I'm, I'm a fan of sours because they don't taste like beer. So, Right. <laughs> By the way, we have one very fancy beer for each of you from a listener named Sherpa Ant. Ooh. Yeah. So, the next time one of you is down here, let us know. Okay. Excellent. And I'm drinking um, a beer called the American Haze IPA, or no, Voodoo Ranger American Haze IPA from New Belgium. And it's a sessionable IPA. It's 5%, but it tastes like, no, it makes me feel like more than 5%. He, you know what, I mean? what he said earlier was that every time he drinks it, it makes him feel really stoned. Yeah. And I, again, <laughs> I've only had this beer twice, but the one was tonight. One was another night recently. And I don't know. I think there's more to this beer than meets the eye. 
try one, you all, and let me know if it has a odd effect. The Voodoo Ranger. I it is the Voodoo that. Ranger. I mean, it's a Halloween-themed beer. You know, it's a Voodoo. But there's like Voodoo Ranger. There's ten different kinds of Voodoo Ranger. Beer. Yeah, yeah. I don't really understand the whole Voodoo Ranger marketing thing. It's kind of odd to have a dead skeletal forest ranger, but whatever. <laughs> People are into it. It's Halloween. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have trail news with Special 41. Here it is. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to like kind of breeze some headlines here rather than really go into depth on any of this stuff. I'm going to start with a crowd of campers trashed Max Patch. This oh, is a, the, the backpacker uh, article that, uh, that I think Disco sent to me. Um, I checked out a couple of the, you know, whatever links about this. And uh, one of the big photos was, you know, this photo of Max Patch with like 50 or 60 tents just like all over the place. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's just uh, basically we've got some pretty large increases in outdoor recreation going on uh, and probably about a 33% increase in Colorado alone in state parks, uh, in, you know, part, partially due to COVID. Uh, and this is a, a, a similar thing throughout the country. So there's been a lot more people uh, getting out and maybe not always doing so in the smartest way. This particular article talked about uh, this guy, Plug It In Hikes, um, which is named Benny Brandon. Uh, he went up there with some friends and there was a ton of people up there and trash everywhere and they picked up a bunch of stuff and packed it out. But he's starting to do some other other stuff to try to promote better leave no trace ethics and practices so were there vehicles um, up there special they you know i what i read didn't didn't mention a vehicle no, uh, i don't think there was be allowed on max patch this particular art, article mentioned them dragging a, a wagon out having to, to get a wagon out of there because somebody took it up and broke a wheel i presume that's like one of those camp wagons though um right. and none of the none of the pictures that i saw uh showed that it just okay. showed it just showed a lot of people and i guess typically you know a, a busy night up there would be something like half a dozen you know tents or groups or whatever and apparently you know according to these photos there's been a lot more than that of late yeah and this is this is a similar thing uh that we've we've seen in some of the colorado trails um, some of them at least have been much more, uh, used of late and with some areas being closed, it, it pushes other people to some of the, the areas that are open. So between that and more people not having things to do and seeking some entertainment and some recreation in the outdoors, you know, uh, I guess I would just say, I think this is a really good time for everybody to brush up on their leave no trace practices as well as what I consider to be one of the key practices of Leave No Trace, which is how to talk to people about it without being a Because uh, a lot of people yeah. uh, are going to be outside 
new to being outside and um, they're going to be the ones that you'll see some of the, the worst stuff from and and it's real easy to get pissed uh, and that doesn't necessarily always help at all uh, but education certainly can and if you can educate people uh, who are being less than leave no trace in a way that doesn't make you a giant in their eyes then um, that's good it's a good, good, good thing to do. Okay, onward. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of trail beer intersection stories. Mm. Uh, the first one is uh, I found some little snippet from a, an alert or something about these two guys who started Trinity County Brewing Company in Weaverville, California. Oh, uh, I know someone who lives there. Yeah, so these, Weaverville. Do you know uh, Neil or Jacob? Because those are the guys that are that are um, have teamed up to uh, to open this place, and they this actually comes from uh, that they met each other in 2011 while they were uh, both through hiking the PCT, hmm. uh, and then subsequently are now opening this uh, this Trinity County Brewing Company uh, again in Weaverville, California. So cool. They kind of had, they talk about like um, making great beer, but also serving it in like a, a community focused, friendly, uh, quote, campground atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, good luck to them. What's the uh, name of the brewery again? Uh, that's Trinity County Brewing Company. Okay. Send us so, some beer. Uh, yeah, and if anybody's uh, local to the area of Weaverville, or finds himself passing through, maybe go fill a growler, uh, uh, poke your head, and see see what it see how it is. Um, let's see. There's another which one? Which tab? Which tab? Oh God, which tab? Uh, another beer trail one is uh, the Thunder Island Brewing or a Th Thunder Island Brewery uh, has opened a new facility in Cascade Locks. Uh, so this is, uh, obviously a big trail town, uh, and you know, with the, the brewery there in town, this is, this is obviously going to be a, a magnet for, for the hikers. You think um, so? I don't know, Spesh. I don't, I don't know that they'll <laughs> be interested in that. I mean, I if they're, they if they're allowed, I, I think this is a new facility is what it is. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, cause I've, I've definitely been to that place twice in cascade locks yeah so okay. this is what it is is they've been in business for uh let's see where does it say seven years now um and so they've uh they they built a new brewery and restaurant like purpose built okay. or whatever uh and have just had their grand opening of that so it's not a new brewery it's i see okay their their new brewery I gotcha they were already hiker friendly uh, from all accounts, totally. so so uh, I imagine that, that that friendliness will continue at their new facility. They actually have a, I think it's there, they have a buy a hiker a pint. So like oh, yeah. random people mm -hmm. who come yep. in, they get educated about the PCT, how the PCT runs through there, and all these poor hikers come through, and uh, people <laughs> can thirsty. like add a pint to their tab, and then the next hiker that comes in, if there's a free pint available, they get a free pint. And if you're a hiker, you can buy a pint for the next hiker. Pretty cool Hi. stuff. Maybe the trail show should buy some pints for. Yeah, sure. 
but no one's going to be hiking the PCT during the pandemic, right? Oh, well, I think I think that next year's permits are still on hold, right? I think uh, yeah. that was the last thing that we heard. Um, I, you know, I should actually look that up because I feel like they had something that they said they were going to either announce it. Was it October or maybe December? Anyway, uh, we're not talking about that today. Uh, what we are talking about is sort of related to that uh, Max Patch story. Uh, sales of guidebooks um, have risen as Americans are um, ready to get out. Yep. So uh, apparently, yeah, during the pandemic, um, there's been a big increase in the, uh, the sale of various guidebooks and other related media. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. I, I actually um, happened upon this article uh, and it talked about a bunch of different types of travel guides that are, are um, you know, are selling more of. Uh, but it actually did specifically mention trail stuff uh, as well as Scout's new book. So I thought oh, that was yeah, kind of, cool. That was cool. kind of funny. Um, I, uh, I, I saw this, uh, but then I couldn't read it because it was a you must subscribe and I didn't click to another one to find it. But I thought this was pretty pretty funny. Uh, Colorado woman turns head while hiking 14ers in high heels. I saw that too and did not click on it as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, that's clickbait, I, man. I, I only had so many clicks that I could give to that story, but yeah. I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny. And I I will say, hey, go get it, girl. If you want to if the, if you want to do your thing and hike in high heels, go get it. Uh, just make sure you got good insurance, because man. Seems like that'd be real easy to just like break ankles. Anyway, yeah. um, oh, somebody sent me uh, a story on Gizmodo, which uh, I thought was kind of hilarious. Um, and it's uh, this is how to not or how to avoid accidentally showing your genitals to your colleagues on Zoom. And they had some great <laughs> great tips on here consider avoiding having your junk out in the first place. I thought that was really, <laughs> yeah, that's solid. No, that was, that was the, such amazing advice. Uh, where I the wish I had properly. known about these before the call. Yeah. Right. What was the second one? Special? Um, uh, the second one was uh, wear the pants properly. Um, so, you know, if you're not wearing them right, uh, sure. Stands to reason things could be out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, you know, uh, they had some great, great ones. Uh, make sure you're not currently transmitting video or audio of yourself to coworkers over Zoom, you know, like while you're uh, uh, doing other things. Um, so I think that's kind of like a general mm. log out, make sure the light's not green kind of a deal. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny in, the, in, these, in these Zoom times. I apologize to my co-hosts if I have ever inadvertently <laughs> prior to reading this article uh exposed it's my been close uh, man no it's, it's, it's been, been close. more like it's been more like the angle has been of the moose knuckle but the moose knuckle is the contained <laughs> genitals that is mm -hmm. okay oh well, in, that, in that case you're welcome that's actually going to be next month's discount code for Gossamer Gear is Moose Knuckle 2020. <laughs> Moose Knuckle 2020. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for Trail News tonight. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Special just ran out the door. But now he's back with the Moose Knuckle the size of Mount Everest. <laughs>
right, Beauty. Do you want to talk about our social media backpack giveaway? Yes. So we announced this actually on the last show. Yes, we did. Um, and this is going until Halloween. Happy Halloween. So Ooh, nice. I'll be posting on the socials to continue this. But Gossamer Deer has very graciously offered to give away a gorilla backpack, you know, fitted to your size. And basically what you need to do is follow Gossamer Deer and the Trail Show on Instagram, step one. Step two, cut a hole in the box. No. Step two is um, <laughs> to post a picture of your trash haul from a hike that you did or from trail work that you've done from July 4th on of this year. You get two entries for packing out dirty diaper or Ugh. discarded panties of some sort because you see those along the trail. You do. Um, you do. You, you, do. Do. you see them. Ugh. I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what happens there, but um, things happen. Anyway, so like Gossamer Gear and, and Trail Show, post a picture of your trash haul or trail maintenance. Trail maintenance is a, since July 4th. Recent trash haul. Post both Gossamer or tag both Gossamer Gear and the Trail Show in your post. And it goes till Halloween. Till Halloween. All right, get on it, people. The clock. I have a, I have a question. What's your? What if your Instagram is private? Well, I guess you better. Then, then you can <laughs> screenshot, screenshot it, it. Yep. And send it to us. And send us to us. Send it to me. Pod at thetrailshow.com. Excellent. There Good you go. question. Out of order. So we got an exciting call this month. I think all of our listeners will be thrilled to hear this. Here we go. What's up, Trail Show? Just like to, uh, first of all, congratulate T.H.E. Bobby Walters and her beau Tracy on their engagement. And I'd also like to mention that uh, thinking of a new trail, a new trail name for my wife. Uh, her name is Skunk Cabbage. But I'm thinking about calling her Derecha. There's a lot of wind blowing out of there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> this is Lemuel, and I never listen to the trail show. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought he was talking about P.O.D. Hey. Hey, what, eh? Yeah, so, yeah. Princess of draftiness. Derecha. <laughs> I thought it was derecho. <laughs> I guess it could be either, right? No. Derecho is straight and derecha is right. right. But the thing he's yeah. referring to is a weather phenomenon. It's the one that right. I think hit Iowa like a month or two ago and really, basically like an inland hurricane, if there is mm -hmm. such a thing. And isn't it like a straight line wind? It's not like a circular. Yep. Um, you so know, maybe like it is derecho. I don't know. I can't remember which one it was that they called it. Hey, congrats to Bobby Walters. Yeah, yes. that's the real news of that call. That's, that's right. Great. Don't bury the lead. Bobby Walters yeah. got hitched. I know. That's so cool. Congrats to Bobby. Bobby Walters. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can maybe hear another call from the hotline. And maybe we should do our mailbag early. What? Okay. Trill Show will be back.
Hi, I'm Cheesy, and I never listen to The Trail Show. All right, folks, The Trail Show is back, and we're going to go back to the hotline. Here we go. This is a very, very important question. Uh, hi, Trail Show. Lily and... It's Arno. Arno. Uh, Arno's... Wait, 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 honey. Yeah. Dilo's going to play this to his kid. <laughs> yes, Out of Order said that Dilo might play voicemails from this hotline to his kids. Just keep it clean, okay? Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I will try. Uh, <laughs> That's not really a rule. Um, so we're calling because we're uh, going to have a baby in a few weeks. And we haven't come up with a name because it's our second kid, so we don't think about anything <laughs> with the second one. Uh, but, yeah, with the first one, we named her Sonora after Sonora Pass because we were hiking there, and I was about to take out my IUD. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool to name Sonora would be a cool name, and we like that it's, like, on the PCT because um, Arna's a triple crowner. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, and that's where he met P.O.D. and Disco. Okay. So the, PO, the PCT is special for that reason alone. Uh, so, yeah, the next one, we need a name. We need a name. Uh, could be long-distance hiking-related. Potentially. Potentially, so just to, to be on theme with her sister, or it could be just whatever. So yeah, it, we were also like a trail name if we could. For both of them? Uh, yeah, that's probably a right idea. We both have trail ass. names, and um, the younger one, her trail name and her regular name could be the same. That's true. Okay, we'll take so. two names. One trail name no, for the elder no. daughter named Sonora. <laughs> Yeah, who so has been backpacking? Yeah, that's right. Um, and camping a few times. Yeah, yeah. Her interests are talking about poop. She's 15 months old, and sausage, sausage, tomatoes, ducks. Ducks. She calls them quack quack. Yeah. Okay, this is like three minutes long. Oh, we're about to get cut off. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. Not I was safe. Right. I know they actually cut themselves off. That was that was a good. I mean, I do think it's an interesting question. The the question I think is the interesting one is, you know, what good trail related real life names are there out there? I mean, Sierra, like Sonora. Wow. Sierra. Sierra, I think is is like uh, an easy one. Um, I think place names, there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. So, yeah, but I'm trying to think like, well, like ones that she could be the second a, sister. Second so, sister. <laughs> they want, they need two names. They need a trail name for the oldest one and they need a real name for the youngest one, but the real name could also be a trail name too. I don't, I don't, I don't think that it should be uh, a, a one size fits all name and trail name. I okay. think let's let's not let's not cheat this kid. Okay. Name um, and a trail name. I've got I've got a good idea for the trail name for the little one. Okay. I think the trail name for the little one should be Small Banana. I, what? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what, why small banana? Because 
this is she's going to be the smallest kid so why not small banana Sure. What 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 about I like, I've, I've been waiting to what, what give about that trail name forever? <laughs> oh, oh oh well if it's the if if that's the deal then okay. But I was gonna say if if it's a small banana, then how about like apple banana? It's like one of the varieties of like the little tiny bananas. What about Max? Max Patch. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. <laughs> Max Patch. For Mojave. For the, Ooh, Mojave actually. Oh yeah, nice. cool. so, I think that they should name their their child names should be after the Moomin characters. Come on, no one outside of Finland knows what the Moomin no, characters are. No, but th that's not true. Arno and Lily know who the Moomin characters are, and they because you forced it on them. I wonder if, if maybe, uh, you know, like high points, passes, those might be uh, places to put more in into the, the running. But I think also like mountain ranges. What, or, about, yeah. what about tiny furry animal? You know what we like for our next contest? We'll we'll just have we'll open it up. Everybody can send us suggestions. Yeah, yeah, let's do what, that. What yeah. they should name their what they well, what, what names they should use, and then they just have to pick one. Yeah. of those. And I will suggest that people check out the Moomin characters, which are Boo. all these funny little characters. Boo. That hey. Stop mansplaining that all live in the forest. They're all forest characters, which is why I think they'd be great. And they have funny names like Snufkin and Little Me. What about Small Banana? <laughs> Snufkin, Snufkin lives Great in a tent. Lives in a tent, smokes a pipe, and plays the harmonica. Although he is shown to play the flute as well. Well, feel free to call in to the Trail Show Hotline with name ideas. Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Trail Show but I like Mojave for an actual name. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that, uh, that is a good one. A baby's future rests in your hands, Trail Show That's, right. That's a big responsibility. Yeah. I love the, that they can the be like, "Oh yeah, honey." We named you Sonora because that's why I took my IUD out. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love it. That's some good marketing for a place, you know. Yep. All right, let's get into I mailbag. Let's continue. All right, this, let's do it. This theme of, well, that was more of an ask a hiker sort of. That's fine. All right. By the way, Orange, Orange Kitty is at the door right now. Oh, we we have a cat that's been Orange visiting Kitty? us. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you guys in a second. Actually, I'll show you why while Out of Order is reading the question. Okay, mailbag. Dear Trail Show, the Great Basin episode was just outstanding. I liked how Dirtmonger nonchalantly described a 50-mile water carry, but not to worry, water was plentiful. <laughs> I also thought that was funny. <laughs> Definitely a varsity-level route. I have a quick question, but not necessarily an Ask a Hiker question. More specifically, an ask disco question. Huh? 
With COVID, smoke, and wildfire impacting time outdoors, I've been watching more outdoor-related programming on Amazon Prime Video. Squatch's films are on the service, with a strong trail show showing. Disco talks about the Bigfoot Trail. Disco, P.O.D., and O.O.O. and me, Triple O, <laughs> speak about the PCT. There are also good videos on hiking the Hayduke. Has Disco investigated putting the documentary on Amazon Prime? There are multiple AT and PCT related videos, but nothing on the CDT on Amazon Prime. Cheers, quality. Quality. Uh, no, I have not investigated it, but I just might do that. And if Squatch's vid's up there, then I bet he knows how it's done. So Yeah. The documentary deserves to be up there. I watched it before I hiked the CDT. I, I, yeah, I bought a, or uh, not bought, uh, like emailed or sent you a letter or whatever and asked for a copy like years and years and years ago. Back in the day, look, there's a cat Way back when. on the video screen. I see that. I see that. <laughs> this is the neighborhood cat that comes and hangs out at our, our house now and just wants pets. That's all it wants. <laughs> We've tried to give I mean, it some food and it's not interested so much. It just wants attention. Yeah. Yeah. Scratch it. POD, you're muted. POD, you're muted. She, she, yeah, unmute. Sorry. I got excited about the the cat here. I was saying that the cat really loves aggressive face petting. They do, yeah. (laughs) I feel like a lot of cats do. A lot of cats like a good, a good cheek scraping, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or like the top of the head. Like I give a, like Mm -hmm. kind of like a, a little bit of a scratch with a little bit of a, a, a thump to it. Like, yeah, they seem like it's drooling. Yeah, it's a Whoa. drooler. It's you a drooler. To... <laughs> anyway, you know back to... Uh, I'm sorry, what? Back to uh, quality. Yeah, I'll look into it by asking Squatch how to do it. <laughs> Did we get any other... <laughs> Did we get anything else in the mailbag? <laughs> that is it for mailbag. Awesome. Excelente. Fantastico. I think someone's trying to join the Zoom call, P.O.D. Could it be the one, the only, the man, the myth? Could it be? Is it? I admitted him. Is it possibly? Maybe he doesn't have video. No, it was D.Lo. Oh. Sorry. All that build up and it wasn't. D'Lo apparently doesn't know how to use his computer. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Mike DiLorenzo is in the studio. D'Lo, could you say something to Trail Show Nation? Oh, hey, everybody. How's, how's everybody who's listening to the Trail Show tonight doing? You enjoying yourselves? Is it smoky where you live? Is it smoky where you live? Uh, it was earlier today, and then it cleared up in the afternoon. Man, I've been looking at... Uh, there's a fire west of Gold Hill called the Left Hand Canyon Fire. Mm-hmm. And even though it's under 400 acres, which is apparently small for a wildfire in Colorado these days, it's actually uh, it's about to encroach on or just uh, lapped onto a property that I did some work for the mm. landowners last year. So I've been eyeballing <laughs> that fire pretty, pretty hard, although the <laughs> That's just a, a little drop in the bucket compared to the Cameron Peak fire, which is, is. Uh, 200,000 acres now. Is that the when state's I, biggest? 
Yes, in, in history. history. Yep. When I got into the town last night, as I was coming from Golden down into Boulder, um, I you could see just this entire hillside, you know, big big ring of of red oh, glowing wow. as it was burning. Was that was that the uh, Cameron Peak that you saw when you were driving? It might from, have been the Cowwood fire. That I know that was the Cowwood. Yeah. When I left on Friday, I saw a fire when I was looking back south. It was like the smoke and everything was descending on the boulder and then Hey boy. Hello. Wow, look at you, man. Greeting. Man, this guy's like coming to us from the top of a mountain here <laughs> in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> this is amazing. Wouldn't it be cool if that you, was man? an Are actual mountain and not just a virtual background? No, you must be like Zealand, could do it on right? top of an actual mountain. No, you dude, look like you're let me just recline. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> like Superman, but like relaxing plank- backwards. <laughs> He's planking on, on his uh, background. Ice cold <laughs> beverages. I've got a sand sandbar sundae from Isla, Isla Morada Brewing out of Florida. Ooh. Ooh very what, nice. What Disco has there is a very nice beer, the Mountain Haze from is, the North man. Brewery. Is that is that seven or eight percent? It's uh, it comes in at a paltry six point five percent. Oh, it's nice. It's quaffable. It's quaffable yeah. if you're you know yeah. skilled at drinking the beers. Mm-hmm. It's a good beer for on top of a mountain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have here a Crooked Stave von Pilsner, mm-hmm. um, which is a crisp, dry, light on the alcohol Pilsner. Excellent. And. Here I have a uh, German-style wheat beer from TF Brewing in Salt Lake City called Ethereal. Mm. How is it? And it is it is quite tasty. It's uh, kind of a heavy type thing. It's, I just got back from a hike, so it's great. Eat, just really easy drinking. Really hits the spot. We should introduce our most recent guest to join the show. It wasn't D'Lo. It was actually Larry Boy. Larry Boy hasn't been on the show since April which wasn't that long ago. Larry, you're, <laughs> Larry Boy, you are our second pandemic, or no, you're our first pandemic guest to appear on two trail shows. So yeah, hats off yeah, you're to really you, man. Straight, scraping the bottom of the barrel there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say that. No, we haven't had Meadow Ed yet, so we, we still it's have more, Oh, wow. It's, 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 it's like wow. fermentation, you know. Yeah. Meadow Ed's still alive? Starting rumors. Oh my goodness. Uh, no, it's not, I'm just, there's a, there's a real off the cuff question. Is he still alive? I he was know. an old guy 20 years ago. Uh, years ago. He, I, I think I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Okay. Hello, Meadowhead, he, if you're in, listening. he was in the movie Wild, in case you didn't. Uh, oh, oh, I bet he was. Meadowhead, if you're listening, I, I mean no offense, and I'm glad you're still alive. <laughs> well, we don't know that. Oh, I thought Special just said he was. Oh, Special, is he? I'm I'm pretty sure he is. I I, I think I would have heard if he'd passed. Good point. It'd be trail news. Well, we had Larry Boy on back in April on Show 93 to talk to us about his hike of the route in between, and now right there with the big beard. With the big beard, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Larry Boy's going to talk to us about uh, a trail that I'm calling the hero, the GYRO, also known as the Greater Yellowstone Route. What's the O? It's the it's part of the, after the route, oh, but it I makes see, it so okay. that it's Euro. Yeah. So it's it, yeah. I, Yellowstone route. Ooh, <laughs> you got food on the brain, <laughs> folks. I do. I was thinking about sandwiches. Larry Boy, welcome. How are you? 
I am wonderful. Yeah, I'm happy to be talking about this trail. It's a it's a beauty. So you are not the originator of the GYRO, are you? I am not. So back in I think 1990, there was a guy named Philip Knight who did a 600 mile loop of the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem, which is kind of the Yellowstone National Park and then the public lands surrounding it. So several national forest areas embedded in that is a few wilderness areas as well as Grand, uh, Grand Teton National Park. So Philip Knight did a 600 mile uh, loop through the Greater Yellowstone around the year 1990. He wrote a book about it. And then in 2018, friend of the trail show Pepper Flake hey did about a, a thousand mile loop through the Greater Yellowstone. Um, and his was, if I may say, quite the accomplishment. A lot of um, off-trail, a lot of scrambling, route finding. Some pretty, uh, some pretty slow going in spots, but just amazingly, immensely beautiful stuff. Hmm. A lot of ridge lines, just cruising on these awesome ridge lines in obscure mountain ranges for miles and miles. So I, uh, I basically adapted Pepper Flakes route. Um, for my own, you know, in, in some places had to change a few things where he reported that, you know, trail conditions sucked or that a ridge didn't, didn't quite go or the bushwhacking was bad. Hmm. And then, you know, in some places, you know, you, you, you just, you build on both the knowledge that you have as well as, um, you know, information that's available on, on the internet. So this summer in 2020, I did about an 800 mile version of the Greater Yellowstone Loop. So where does one start and finish the loop? Anywhere. It's a loop. Isn't that great? Where did you um, start and finish? <laughs> I started and finished um, where... Can you, can the, you actually just substitute in a story right now about getting dropped off at a random point in the middle by a helicopter instead? <laughs> I am I am happy to say, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, that no helicopters were involved in in this route. <laughs> yeah. Right. However, I uh, I started and finished at uh, basically the town of West Yellowstone, or the oh, CDC, that's which a is like terrible 10 miles spot. Right. I, st I started and finished there because I needed to, uh, you know, stay low for the first about few days to let the snow melt off a little bit more, and the mosquitoes were hellacious. But other than that, after after that, it was just immensely beautiful. Guys, pretty much every single day on this route is like one of the best hiking days of your life in terms of what. Hey, nice. Larry boy, I'm curious about the route that you took. Um, well, a couple of things. I'm curious about the what you think is the the variation as compared to Pepper Flake. You know, like the, uh, let me let me think about my question. So, like the difficulty of the route that you took versus Pepper Flake. Um, and not to paint one is better than the other, but I'm just curious because I know pepper flake is a bit like a mountain goat. And so I'm always hesitant to like be like, oh, this is pepper flakes route. I'll just follow it. So I'm curious about that. And then I'm also curious about the route that you did choose, um, the difficulty level on that, you know, as compared yeah. to other scrambling and stuff you've done. Yeah. So great questions. I would say I only deviated from pepper flakes route in a significant way in one in one area. He did a traverse of the winds as part of his route and uh, I didn't do that because I wanted to make it a true loop 
for yeah. COVID related logistical reasons. But other than that, we pretty much covered the same ground. The difference is whenever he has the opportunity, Pepperflake likes to stay on ridges. I also yeah. enjoy cruising ridges, but I'm a little bit more willing to say drop down to a trail or something like that where it makes a little bit more sense. Or, you know, if I have to do like a 20 mile ridgeline scramble, I can do it, but there's no camping up you're there. Right. So if you're fast enough, you can do that all in one day. If you're a little bit more athletically limited like myself, you might find yourself having to uh, drop down onto a trail for part of that. And I mean, so you could say that maybe my route was a tad less just visually stunning than his, but that's, I mean, the Greater Yellowstone Loop is still by far the most beautiful thing I've ever hiked, and it's not even close. Wow. So you, you really backdrop, can't go wrong. Is that picture in your backdrop from the loop? Uh, no, I think that's just from the, yeah, from the mountains outside Salt Lake City. <laughs> I know, failure of preparation, right? Hey, we, no, it, Larry Boy, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned that the mosquitoes were really bad initially. Um, Leo here had a, a quick question for you. Were there horse flies? There were horse flies. Oh. So like late July, August in Montana, uh, yeah. like CDTers in either direction will be absolutely petrified and or enraged with the flesh eating flies. And that's just a hazard hiking at that time of year. The horse flies though are nice because they're slow enough that you can just smash them and kill them a lot of times. Uh, the mosquitoes are worse because you know, they swarm and by the hundreds or by the thousands. Did you have a particular horsefly mitigation strategy that you would just like to uh, mention real quick? Honestly, no. I just, you know, wear long pants, long sleeves and just kind of deal with it. And you know you're going to get bit a couple times a day. And it hurts, but, you know, that's what it is. It's still better than mosquitoes. So when you say uh, the greater Yellowstone route, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of Yellowstone, they, they've got sort of uh, uh, a few different key spots kind of in mind. Uh, how, how close slash how many of those like Yellowstone National Park types of, of features does, does this route actually take in? Uh, I think most people on, the, on this call have uh, done the CDT. And I, th I found myself on the CDT being very disappointed by the whole greater Yellowstone area. Uh, like the best thing was a about it was the breakfast buffet at Old Faithful Lodge. Like other than that, it, a lot of it was like burnt yeah. or overrun with tourists. And it just, it was kind of a disappointment, you know? And, yeah. but this route stays away from the, I think it's probably about 70-ish miles that are actually in Yellowstone National Park itself. The other, you know, seven to 800 miles are outside the park. And when it's outside the park, it's gonna be in uh, a series of beautiful mountain ranges. Some of them are better known like the Tetons. Others are very little known like the Wyoming Range or the Absorcas. Um, they kind of ring the park. The, the park is based around the volcanic super caldera that causes, you know, the geysers and the hot pots and whatever else. But where you have a caldera, by definition, you don't have mountains because, you know, the volcano blows up every million years and that makes it hard to form mountains. But around the edge of the park, mostly outside the actual official park boundaries, you have just a series of amazing and remote mountains. So you're not necessarily 
going past a lot of geysers or anything like that. I think there's like one or two thermal features on the entire route that you go past. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was... They're mostly up in the mountains, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at, because a lot of times when people hear Yellowstone, you know, uh, the mind immediately goes to to geysers and mud pots and thermal features, and, and uh, it it sounds like this is more... Uh, uh, well, le less that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Basically, take what you have in mind for the Tetons or the Winds or the Beartooth, some of those better known ranges in the region. And then imagine doing 800 mile route through there where you're pretty much in the mountains the entire time. So wow. it's, uh, it's quality. It's nothing like what you, you think of when you think of Yellowstone. How long were you out there? I was out, uh, so including some, some time off that I had to take for uh, medical reasons, um, I was out there for exactly two months. Okay. So I think it was something like 42, 43 hiking days. Did you okay. say the mileage of the route yet? Yeah, um, my, my version was about 800 miles. Pepper Flakes was uh -huh. about 1,000. Um, Philip Knights was about 600. I should also shout out um, a group of three hikers who did a similar length to mine this year in the area. Um, that was The Darkness, no relation to POD, Stargate, and Jukebox, and they had all did about 800 miles as well. The Darkness, Stargate, Stargate and Jukebox? And Those are great. Yep. That sounds like a Those dope are. crew to roll with. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool people. I ran into them on a couple of occasions and uh, really enjoyed uh, shooting the breeze with them. So. But did, but did uh, they really hike the whole thing, or did they just use the Stargate in order to like you know <laughs> leap from one spot to the next? I mean, <laughs> boy, that would be that would uh, result in a lot of FKTs, huh? Uh, Larry Boy, could you compare and contrast the Euro to the Florida Trail? <laughs> um no <laughs> why not what's the problem <laughs> i enjoyed both of them in very different ways i would say the florida trails got a lot better uh vegetation trees you know botanical variety and this has awesome mountains so it's all it's all what you like man okay did you yeah, mean what i will compare and contrast it to though is the hayduke trail oh okay, okay. because also this in my mind is an alpine hayduke um so i mean think about the hayduke it's a route not a trail um it kind of you know it's 800 miles two months long for most people it meanders in kind of nonsensical directions but basically just tries to make the best route it can through an ecosystem so by the time you go from arches to zion you feel like you've really experienced the colorado plateau Hmm. Same thing on, on the greater Yellowstone Loop. You, you walk all the way around that ring of mountains around the outside of the park, and you can feel and sense the underlying unity of the area. So I saw the Grand Teton, like the mountain, every single day for the first three and a half weeks of my hike. Wow. Um, I, I, I don't think there was a single day on the hike where I didn't see either the Grand Teton or Electric Peak, which is another prominent peak on the north end of the range. Hmm. And that to me is just amazing. You can do 800 miles and you can see, you know, different sides of these mountains, sometimes super close up. Sometimes you're standing right on them. Sometimes you're far away. 
And it just gives you this wonderful sense of continuity so that you, at the end of it, you really feel like you know the area. Yeah, you know, that is true. That's interesting. Um, like, I'm thinking about the Tahoe Rim Trail, which does not compare at all, I'm sure. But I kind of got tired of seeing the stupid Tahoe Lake, Lake Tahoe. Um, but that's slightly different than, than mountain ranges. And I haven't had that experience where you're hiking a pretty uh, stunning and jagged loop where you're like, oh, you know, uh, in four days, I'm going to be on that ridge over there. And then you can look back at the ridge that you did. And, and, you know, in long distance hiking, you can look forward kind of towards where you're going and back towards where you were, but not in the sense for like the entire hike. Can you visualize those places that you've been and those places that you're going to? And I think that that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, that's definitely an inter interesting point because, uh, yeah, uh, since so much hiking tends to be linear, at least uh -huh. in, in the, the broad sense, um, yeah, you, you're, you're more like a, a, a passer through uh, in an in, in ecosystem or an area uh, than you are sort of spending the time within it and and really getting to know like that area you know that was actually one thing that i thought was interesting when dirtmonger was talking about the uh, uh the great basin um route uh was you know he he had it uh entirely within that that feature and 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 it's kind of interesting that you're you're uh sort of say, making that same point uh about this greater yellowstone route about it really being kind of uh, instead of just uh, a quick sample of a, a of a spot or a region, you're really getting to know it, and that's that's I think uh, that's that's really a, a cool thing. For sure, and it's it's really cool, you know, because a lot of us have been to some of these places before. Like you may have been to the Tetons, or you may have been to like Mammoth Hot Springs and Yellowstone, but to connect them all they no longer are just kind of like isolated points of known in a sea of unknown. You really kind of get the holistic picture of the area. And I think that's pretty neat. First of all, I encourage everyone interested in this to go to Larry Boy's website, lvhikes.com. Am I right about that, Larry Boy? That's Log one. lvhikes.com. It's, it's something on here is interesting. How many bears were you attacked by on this hike? <laughs> <laughs> oh man we got to talk about this larry boy we we, we must i mean <laughs> i think we do yeah we, so we i was attacked by it. a bear yes yeah you, not just a bear a grizzly bear right mm -hmm. that uh it was basically right at the halfway point of the loop oh. um, i was in the absorca range which is the super remote range along the east side of the loop i was probably about well, I passed the most remote mountain in the lower 48 the oh. previous day. Um, and I was on this little um, elk trail through a, a series of cliff bands, just this really sweet game trail um, through this off trail area that was pretty vertical. So it was on this great trail. And I'm, you know, I'm singing as I normally do when I'm in the backcountry and in, in bear country. Um, and I actually forget the words to the song. <laughs> and I come around the corner and there's a grizzly like seven or eight feet away from me already charging. And it's just like, you have no time. Like instantaneous doesn't even to be, begin to describe just how fast it happened. 
you know, so he, you know, he made contact with me. He, uh, he spun me around, charged at me again. Um, I managed to get him in the, the eye with my trekking pole. But what? in that collision, he knocked me down. <laughs> um, and I played dead, you know, covered my, the back of my neck with one hand, got my bear spray out with the other. Because I'm carrying bear spray, but the initial attack happens so fast that there's absolutely no time. You know, even though I've practiced pulling out on my holster a thousand times, I can do it in less than a second, get cap off the whole nine yards. You know, there just wasn't time. So he knocks me down. At that point, I get my bear spray out. But as basically, as soon as he knocked me down, he split. He was gone. Wow. You can kind of hear him, like, whimpering as he kind of runs, walks. I couldn't see him away, presumably about his eye or whatever. You know, and so I lay there for a solid, like, 10 minutes. I make sure that, you know, he's not still just, like, hanging out behind the next tree, making sure uh, to keep an eye on me. And then I get up, I've got my bear spray out, I start hollering or whatever. Um, I hike out of this little elk trail. What do you mean, over sorry to interrupt, what do you mean you started hollering? Like for help or just to, to keep him no, away? No, to, to make sure that he stays away. He knows exactly okay. where I am. Because okay. this was very, very obviously defensive. Like, right. hey, so distancing, dude, get out of my space. Right. Um, <laughs> and so- He's like, where's uh, your mask? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I hike out of the immediate area. I find a, a maintained trail nearby that I had crossed at the backtrack a little bit. And at that point, I sat down and like treated my wounds because I was, I figured, you know, if I'm going to pass out, I want to pass out on a trail rather than off in the middle of nowhere. Um, yep. So I treated my wounds. I had a couple of nasty gashes on my chest and shoulder and stuff like that. Um, and then hike out a side trail, which I had been down before, and I had maps for like, you know, 100 miles in every direction on my phone, um, even outside of my main travel corridor, and hiked down this trail about, I don't know, 15 miles, and um, hitched a ride to town with a good Samaritan who uh, brought me to the hospital. So, Did you have a PLB or a spot or anything on you? I did. did. Did you consider yeah, I had a PLB. I did consider it. As I'm laying there, um, I did honestly at first I didn't even know I was injured because you know like there's no time. It's all about reactions. Um, and then I, I look at my watch to um, to ensure that I've like been on the ground for ten minutes or whatever. Because I, I told myself I'm not going to move for ten minutes, you know. So I'm really dead in his eyes. Um, and I look at my watch and blood starts dripping on it, and I was like, oh gosh. Um, so, wow. you know, at that point, while I'm on the ground, you know, waiting for, you know, my purgatory to be up, I kind of assess my options. I considered, you know, pushing my PLB, but the injury wasn't bad enough. Um, and I figure it's probably going to take just as long for them to, like, send out a chopper or whatever and get me to the hospital as it would just to hike out. And so I, I, I hiked out and you know, got to the trailhead probably about six hours-ish after it happened. So. Um, what were your wounds? You just big gashes that needed stitches and things or? Yeah. Yeah. He got all the way down to the rib cage. Um, oh, wow. That's really deep. Yeah. I, guess I mean, I mean it was not much skin obviously. Chest, but what's that? I mean, there's not much skin be between your ribs, but still it's like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it was deep enough that that it looked pretty gnarly and stuff like that and they had to do some like subcutaneous stitching and stuff like that at the hospital were um, they surprised? But they're all concerned about like oh do you have a punctured lung it's like guys i just walked 15 miles to get here i don't have a punctured lung i could tell you if i did so i i'm actually a little bit curious about what uh what you did um to treat the wounds in the field and what um, you had in the way of a medical kit that you that you used to do that because like getting attacked by a bear in the woods is probably like the uh, test case scenario yeah. the, for for a, a, the boo boo kit that is normally a, a a backpacker's you know first aid kit. So I'm curious what what you're actually carrying with you and what you used and how you how you went about treating yourself. Right. So when it comes to first aid, ingenuity is everything. So my first aid kit is pretty dang minimal. So I, uh, I, you know, washed it off with water or whatever, and we'll stop the bleeding with toilet paper, uh, wash it off with water, use like the entire tube of Neosporin to get all in the wounds and stuff like that. And then, you know, toilet paper as gauze and then wrap it with like athletic tape. Um, that I always have in my pack anyway. So honestly, it wasn't too much first aid supplies as much as just getting creative with the stuff you have. Did you and, use you know, all of your toilet paper? I did, yeah. <laughs> you got to the hospital and you're like, so um, the wound is okay, but I need a new pair of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they started like cutting things off me at the hospital. I was like, guys, I need, oh, wait, I actually don't, do, do I? <laughs> Were they surprised? Did, did, they, did the toilet paper hold up pretty well as a uh, as a substitute for like a gauze? It, well enough. I mean, obviously, um, you know, my my sh shirt was saturated and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I should stop the bleeding with with the TP well enough that you know it would only like start to bleed when I was on uphills and got my heart rate up. So I just had to you know hike the uphills pretty slowly to oh keep that heart rate. Under I should control. mention that uh, when this happened. Uh, Larry boy did post something and then I messaged him and it was like the next day and he was like yeah I tried to hike out but I felt like my stitches were maybe coming out and I was like yeah maybe maybe wait a few days after you've yeah. been attacked by a grizzly bear to <laughs> hike out maybe you know subcutaneous stitches maybe you should wait for those to heal a little bit before I, I'm pretty sure that if you get stitches from a grizzly bear attack, you, you automatically earn like at least two zero days right. yeah. uh, <laughs> where you don't go to a hospital uh, and, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah. I think I ended up taking about uh, two and a half weeks off before I could uh, um, comfortably carry or not comfortably, but comfortably enough, carry a backpack again. Um, because right. you know, just be as aware the the wounds were. It was like right underneath a backpack strap, and it was like, ah, that's no good. Were you able to go back to Utah during that downtime, or did you hang out in a hotel in the Greater Yellowstone region for two and a half weeks? I got a, a ride back to my car, and then uh, um, ended up being a little here, a little there. Um, Hashtag solo metal van life. <laughs> Hashtag crappy beat up Subaru life. Um, and I, I also want to point out to our listeners something that you said that you also put in the post and um, I thought it was useful information. You mentioned a couple of things. One, that you were singing and that you had forgotten the words and had paused 
and had been quiet because you were trying to think of the words in my song and that's when you got attacked mm -hmm. and it reminded me how lazy i am when i hike by myself and i live in colorado so you know we don't have grizzly bears out here but still i have you know been pre-dawn hiking before and i'm just like so lazy about making noise um and i'm like man they can smell me it's fine um but it was a good reminder. Um, and the other thing you mentioned both today and in your post was about how um, you practice all the time taking your, your bear spray out. And I have never done that. Um, I've carried bear spray and it's always accessible within reach, but I've never practiced um, pulling it out and removing the safety. And so I, I've actually started doing that on the regular when I go hiking. And again, I live in Colorado, it's, it's black bears. So, you know, hopefully that's a non-issue, but, um, but I have started, you know, and I'm, I'm really careful about now where I carry my bear spray and can I do it quickly? And I'm, you know, I'll just be hiking along and I'm, I just like, you know, bear and I pull it out or whatever. And also <laughs> right after that happened to you, I was on a very popular use trail that accesses some lakes and is also a 14ers access trail. And I saw probably 20 people carrying bear spray on a super crowded trail. And most of them had their bear spray on a carabiner attached to the back of their backpack. It's and useless. I, you I know, was that, like. <laughs> I, I used to, uh, when I used to do a lot of shakedowns uh, at, at the ads Pacitco, uh, I used to see people with their spot devices on the lid of their backpack or on the top of their backpack all the time. And it used to blow my mind that like this thing that you carry, presumably so that when you are broken, you can somehow manage to get to and press the button. Why isn't that right here? Right, exactly. You know, right here, right? Like so, somewhere where your hand's gonna be able to just get right to yeah. it, you know? Right on your chest, right on your sternum strap, right at your hip, some, somewhere where, where it's just easy to deploy. And I feel like, yeah, Bear spray probably ought to be in that same. Yeah. Where do you carry yours? I carry it um, on a on my shoulder strap, uh, opposite my non-dominant hand, like like you would carry a sword, essentially, but on my shoulder strap, so I can just reach across, uh, pull it, and spray all within about a second. How do you uh, manage to uh, keep your sword and your bear spray in that same? Spot? <laughs> <laughs> well, the sword is just for fun. Let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, I actually thought so about I, that too. I actually put it on my my left side so that it would be my right hand that is unholstering because that's more agile. Exactly. I mean, I would offer kind of a a three-step framework for thinking about not just bear attacks, but safety in the backcountry in general. You know, like you need the right equipment. So, you know, if you're going to be in grizzly bear territory, you know, it's probably a pretty good idea to carry bear spray. Or, you know, if you're going to be doing something alone and off trail, probably a pretty good idea to be carrying a personal locator beacon. So, you know, you have to have the right equipment. What's even more important in my mind, the right information. So, yeah. like, you need to know exactly what you're going to do in the event of a bear attack, like, basically having, like, visualized it. It's not any different than, you know, than any of the other basic research that you do on a trail. It's just basic safety stuff is probably not going to help you. You're probably not going to get involved in that situation. But if you, you know, if you are, that information will save your life. My reactions had to be instantaneous. Yeah. Um, this kind of reminds you know, me of... Had, go ahead. 
I'm sorry, I was just going to say this reminds me of, of like an ice axe, you know, as exactly. another, another uh, piece of safety equipment that people carry, they may not have practiced using, uh, they may carry in a place that's not going to be where they need it when they need it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like this idea of actually like pr practicing unholstering and, and getting your bear spray on the ready. And what's exactly. the other part, Larry boy? Well, you just said it, Smash. It's practice. Like your reactions has to be have to be instantaneous. They have to be correct. And you know, you can't stop and be thinking, "Oh, what do I do again? How do I know the difference between a predatory attack and a defensive attack?" Like you have to, you know, know the signs immediately and know how to react accordingly. Or you know, when it comes to that icy slope, you need to know how to self-arrest because every fraction of a second that you don't self-arrest, you're picking up speed, and it's gonna be harder to stop. So, you know, right information, right equipment, and then practice. And I think that goes a long way, not just in the outdoors, but just in life, honestly. Do anything sure. different with your, with your approach to like bear readiness now versus before, or, or, or did you kind of go, wow, that, yep, system worked out how it was supposed to? Um, more the latter, to be honest with you. Um, I was pretty, pretty happy with my actions for the most part the only thing i would say is you know people react strangely in stressful situations and no one wants to be in a situation like that but you know if you are you know it it, it pays to kind of critically reflect on okay what brain traps am i falling into like in my case um I probably undersold the seriousness of the event in my mind as it was happening like you know when i'm laying on the ground one of the one of the alternatives that I considered was like, I wonder if I can just, you know, neosporin this, stitch myself up with the needle and thread and just keep going. And like, in retrospect, no, that was stupid and it would have been crazy. You know, like you need to get that cleaned out uh, because grizzly bears dig around in dead stuff all day. And right. that could be a really serious <laughs> infection. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I seriously considered for like half a second there, I wonder if I could just stitch myself up. And like, no, that's a stupid idea, but it just goes to show you, you know, you need to kind of like assess, you know, based on your own personality, how do I react to stress and in what ways that could that get me in trouble? I also would add that it's important to, if you're hiking with a partner, um, to have a discussion about potential things, you know, like there's the, the, the group that was cycling and one of them got killed by a mountain lion and uh, talked about how, you know, you should have a discussion before something like that happens. If you're going to be in mountain lion territory, discuss how you will respond if one of you is attacked by a mountain lion. If you're in bear country, what will happen if one of you is being attacked by a mountain by a bear? What does the other person do? And and I'll say that you know when uh, Naomi and I did the second portion of the ICT, uh, we only had one PLB between the two of us, and in retrospect. I think that was crazy. Like we both have access to them. We should have both been carrying them because what if the person with the PLB was the one getting attacked? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're unconscious and <laughs> yeah. down a slope. And right. Or what if you get separated, which is a very yeah. real possibility if you're not hiking like lockstep on a trail right. like the ICT. Right. Or but anyway, one of them fails. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, but Larry boy, um, I, I was excited to to have you talk about this attack, um, not for sensationalism, but I think because I was so impressed with your thoughtfulness of your post that you did and and to hear about 
the way that you analyzed it um, was really awesome. But I also I also want to make sure that you um, have been able to share, you know, uh, about the 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 hero because that's also important. That's the main reason that we had you on the show. So, you know, if you want to talk more about the bear attack, that's cool too. But I also want to make sure that you have time to talk yeah. about all the things that you wanted to say about the the greater Yellowstone route. And let's face it, the bear attack is a hell of a marketing uh, ploy to get yeah, people totally the hero. I think <laughs> I think that's the only reason he agreed to be attacked by a grizzly. I mean, <laughs> that's I'm, right. It's all about the publicity, man. <laughs> Oh my God! It's, well, so, it's so good. Even a bear attack won't stop you from getting back out there. <laughs> yeah, see, that happened about the halfway point. You took two and a half weeks off, and then you tell me about that first day back. Were you like on pins and needles as you were getting back onto the route? Uh, not really. No, I was no problem. Like, just hunky dory back on the main. You realize just how you realize just how unlikely the whole thing yeah. is to happen. You, you realize that you were, you know, taking the appropriate precautions to begin with, you know, like, it's like getting struck by lightning, you know, it's, it's just so unlikely to happen to you. Um, I, I was definitely a little more conscious of, and I'm pretty conscious about it to begin with, but there was definitely an extra degree of awareness for the, the rest of the hike. And that was only the second bear I saw, and I think I saw something like close to 10. Did you, make sure, wow. hike? did you make sure wow. to memorize all the words to that song you had been singing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? No, um, the, the second half of the hike was a little bit different because I still couldn't lift my arm above my shoulder. Like throwing a bear line at the end of the day was really hard. You have to use your non-dominant hand. You look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> but, yeah. so I couldn't scramble. You know, and I had to, you know, stick a little closer to like trails and stuff like that. So the second half was definitely a little bit more mellow, but the route was cool enough that I really just wanted to to finish it. You know, yeah. yeah. And there hey, were some awesome, awesome sights in the second half. Hey, quick question about that throwing a bear line. Um, did you carry a, a, an ursac? Or you? Um, I'm not a huge. Uh, so should probably tell this story too um i'm not a huge fan of ursacs because while ursacs do exactly what they're supposed to do and protect bears from your food yeah they do not protect you, your food from bears less than a mile from where the bear attack happened a couple of years ago i had a bear like gnaw on my ursac in the middle of the night uh, i didn't ah. get any food it you know the ursac so held me like teeth marks saliva right so food you have to you, you literally have to decide how much bear slobber is too much bear slobber because oh. you still got to hike out and you need to eat something. <laughs> do you use an OP do you use an OP sack inside your ursac? Yes. Yes. Huh. Um but those do have a tendency to fail. Actually on this on this route, so I hung my food uh, keep every fresh. night and I also used OP sacks. And I would, you know, at my food caches because I cached because COVID, I didn't want to go right. into the towns. Um, mm. I would have a fresh OP sack, so I was swapping about every week or so. Oh, a little wow. bit of money to buy them, right? But that ensured I always had a fresh one that yeah. a fresh seal, Man. and that really gave me a lot of peace of mind. I'm thinking about the sheer willpower one would need to to go out and hike this summer during the COVID situation, 
and be attacked by a grizzly and still get back on trail. Like, <laughs> it's Honestly, what else are you going to do? Like, the world is all COVID. It is. Oh my. <laughs> That's you true. just got to go out in the backcountry. You know, things are a lot less crazy out there. <laughs> Even, <laughs> I, yeah, what, what else can you say? Like, oh my gosh. So let's, let's get back to the route real quick. Um, is the correct direction to hike it clockwise or counterclockwise? You can really do it in either direction. No, there has to so be one correct Flake, way, please. <laughs> Both. <laughs> no, when Pepper Flake did it, he, uh, he started at literally the opposite end of the route that where I did. I did it um, how I did it because I wanted to do the, the Tetons first because I knew that would be passable in early season because I've been there before. And it worked out pretty well for me. Um, but you can pretty much start at any point and you basically have a month and a half, two month window to complete the whole thing weather-wise. So, okay. Outside of bears, what's, what's the biggest challenge yeah. you're going to face out there? Is it like resupply, like water? I can't imagine it'd be water carries, but is it long food carries? Like, what are we talking? Yeah. I mean, for me, my average, um, resupply was about a week long. Um, so, it, which wasn't terrible, but it's also because I drove to some pretty weird places and, and oh, cash food, food beforehand. Well, if you had um, cash food. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And I know that we need to wrap up this interview, but also you need to tell us about the way that you cashed your food. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes, we do we need to talk about, about that. talked about people stealing food caches. No, we talked about <laughs> leaving funny uh, notes in the windshield the to protect your car at the trailhead. Tip. And Larry Boy needs to tell us what he did to protect his food caches. Go. So to protect them from bears, I put um, them in bear-resistant containers, basically modified like army surplus ammo cans in OP sacks and buried the whole business underground. And then to protect them from humans, I... Um, so I, I would bury the, or I would put the cash in the hole. I would put a few inches of dirt on top of it and then put a note that says RIP fluffy with just like a stock photo of a random dog from the internet and then finish burying <laughs> the cash. So if anyone thought to dig it up, they'd just find like, Oh, this must be a dog grave. I'm not going to dig it up any deeper. Oh man. <laughs> can you send us a picture of fluffy that we can use um, on our social media, please? <laughs> i'll work on that <laughs> oh my god that's fantastic well did anyone mess with your food no nope, no problems with my food and it, they're not hard to dig up either either I, the oh, only yeah. thing i would say for caches if you're gonna cache um on any trail really make sure they're safe from critters and then pack yourself nice things you know so a little extra food you yeah. know like town food to eat at your caches you know, a, a fresh pair of socks, you know, you can pack yourself a little bit of like biodegradable soap to do like Dundo style laundry away from like a stream or something like that. Um, basically treat it like town in a box, you know, you know, treat yourself and you'll find that you really don't need to go to town. It's your town in a box. Do you think you should it's actually town write in a box, babe? Maybe you should actually write treat yourself on the top of the cache so that when you get to it, you know, it's like a, it's like a little note. Treat yeah. yourself. 
Remember, my no very how last bad your cash, day is, you could treat yourself. I, I forgot exactly what I had packed myself for town food, and I was so hungry because I had like run out of food on the on the previous leg. Um, and I got to the the cash, and I realized I had packed myself not two one can of chili, but two cans of chili, and I had a minor freak out because I was so happy. <laughs> that's a win it's fantastic <laughs> well larry boy what else should we know about the euro yeah i would say that uh for most people uh this is some pretty like advanced level route finding and there's a lot of scrambling some of it's unavoidable um but what i would say is just give the greater yellowstone ecosystem just give it a shot, you know, go out for a week in the Beartooth or the, the Wyoming range or the Absorcas or the Grovance or one of these lesser known ranges. Um, you know, you can put together a week, two weeks backpacking trip and you will be in some incredibly remote, incredibly beautiful terrain and you'll have a blast. Wow. And cool. in, in, I take it what summer and fall are probably your best bets for time. Yeah. Windows. Uh, I mean, snow doesn't really begin to melt in earnest until, you know, the middle of June. So early July is still pretty early season. And then I got snowed on on my last day. Um, that was wow. August 31st. So it's, it's not a long season. You know, it's a very kind of like large area of high terrain. And like, it's, it's cold. It's pretty wintry. You know, there's glaciers in many of those mountains. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's classic, beautiful, wonderful, high alpine, and every single day is just gonna blow your mind. Wow, very cool. cool. The website is lbhikes.com. Larry Boy, please come back and join us again. Probably after your next COVID's after over. your next bear encounter, come back on the show. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't take a bear attack, right? Well, maybe next How time about... you get like mauled by an eagle or something. You know, like just just come back <laughs> next time you're attacked by animals. That'd be great. Yeah. Hashtag eagle mauling. Fantastic. Well, Larry Boy, thank thanks you. Again. Care, guys. Have a good night, and uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a special guest interview that's not Larry Boy that you'll definitely want to tune in for. Trail Show will be back. Hi, this is Mr. Money Mustache, and I never listen to the Trail Show. All right, the trail show is back. POD, talk to us about Gossamer Gear. Yeah, just a reminder to our listeners that you can go to gossamergear.com and get a 15% discount now through November 13th using the discount code MUDFALCON2020. <laughs> Again, that discount code is MUDFALCON2020. <laughs> All right, Triple O, let's go to the hotline one more time. All right, here we go. What's up, Trail Show? I want to touch on a few things. First of all, I never listen to the Trail Show, but when I do, I listen on two times speed. I'm aware that I'm listening at accelerated speed, and I don't think you're crackheads because you're speaking quickly. It doesn't change your voice pitch. It just helps me get through my library of podcasts. That would be weird if I didn't realize I was listening at two times speed. 
It was kind of fun, however, when you were all talking slowly. It did sound normal speed. Okay. I'm originally from Michigan, <laughs> and I'm a little concerned about Buck 30's mental health. He seems yeah. to have been there a bit too long and is starting to show some of that Michigan anger. Yeah. As he gets closer to south to Lansing, I'm I'm worried he's going to end up protesting on the steps of the Capitol building with the militia. <laughs> Finally, I've ordered the new shirt, Norange. It looks super cool, and I can't wait for it to arrive. I will wear it proudly. I'm out. There you go. Wow. All right. Look for Bug 30 at the Capitol steps. Another uh, member of the uh, the orange T-shirt crew. Yeah. Yep. By yeah. far the best seller of our recent T-shirt campaign. Who I'm knew? excited for mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm also like, so I honestly, I wanted the pink. So I bought one of the women's slim fit ones in size XL. And they tell you to go up two sizes, which for me would be two XL. So I don't know. It might be a little, uh, it's going to be a little tight, uh, especially yeah. it might be like a half shirt. Yeah. We can do a calendar shoot with that one. Special. Trail show calendar. That might be a, a, a fun Christmas idea, but only yeah. with special in the pink shirt. Yep. Okay. It's just, it, just nothing but me. Like the one, one photo shoot, obviously from the same photo shoot. Of course. Yeah. We can do different backgrounds. Before we introduce introduced um, Brittany, also known as Red, I just have to say, she and I just had a private conversation about what a mud falcon is. Oh boy! Um, so she'd be in on the joke, and then we started talking about pooping, and I was, <laughs> I tried to write wag bag, and my computer auto, auto corrected it to rag bag, which is a whole <laughs> different thing. <laughs> yeah, that is a different. Uh, anyway, okay. Light item. Cool. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you. Uh, uh, Brittany, uh, is it Woodrum? Yeah, you can. I, a lot of people call me Bert. Bert. Okay, perfect. Well, let's go with Bert then. Uh, so Bert, welcome to the trail show. Uh, for our listeners real quickly, uh, I became aware of uh, Bert's recent mission um, because I have a number of different Google Alerts set up, and she started popping up on my my Google Alerts for uh, what is um, obviously something that's pretty cool to me. Uh, and uh, in many ways, I thought uh, it was such a cool story in and of itself. But I thought it'd be real fun to have her come on and talk about it, uh, and maybe answer some questions about um, other things too. So, uh, do you want to? speak real quickly about what it is that you did and why it was that you decided to do it and oh gosh yeah it's kind of a big question but mm -hmm. the short brief answer is um this past summer i climbed all 58 of colorado's 14ers so there's a mountains above 14,000 feet um but i didn't just do it for fun i did it with a giant green box on my back so um that box is actually a shelter box and shelter box is uh, an organization that focuses on disaster relief and providing all of the basic essentials to individuals who have lost everything um, as a result of either natural disaster or war or conflict. Um, and how I came up with the idea, you know, I think that was, it was really a culmination of a lot of different things coming together. So um, one, I, I've taken on a number of physical challenges in the past, and um, 
I'm also very tapped in just to humanitarian assistance. I'm very service oriented. So over the past year, I've actually been pursuing a master's in humanitarian assistance. And I've been working with Shelterbox as an ambassador now for a little over a year. It's kind of already in the culture for the organization, for individuals and for ambassadors to take on fun and unique fundraisers. And we've had a number of different individuals take on different physical challenges actually with the box because the box kind of is very iconic to uh, what mm -hmm. shelter box does and to its mission and everything. And, um, can, can you describe right. the box real quick? Yeah, it's kind of this giant turquoise box. It, it, there's two sizes. So I kind of was lazy and took up the smaller box. We have like a, I believe it's a 60 liter box and no, it's an 80 liter box and a 160 liter box. Wow. Um, yeah, and so what comes in this box? Well, I, I mentioned it can be the basic necessities, but what does that include? So they are a shelter organization, so they focus on providing shelter, um, but that can look like a tent. It could also be um, you know, tools for actually helping communities and individuals to help rebuild. Uh, it could also be things like tarps, but they also include things in the package like water filtration kits, blankets, mosquito nets, cooking equipment, um, since COVID-19, they've been including things like water basins and soap. And yeah, you know, whenever I say tent, it's not like some light, ultra light kind of flimsier tent. It's like a big proper tent that can last for years and fit a family of like five to 10 people. So pretty incredible. How, and how did you first become involved with the organization itself? Right. So it is my dream eventually to work in humanitarian assistance and to be actually deployed on the ground post-disaster or in these conflict zones. Um, so whenever I started my master's degree at Denver uh, last September in 2019, I was looking for a way to get involved in my new community as well as just in the humanitarian assistance world at large. And I did a little bit of research and I found Shelterbox. Their mission really struck me. And um, I emailed them to see if they had any like internships or volunteer opportunities. And I, I was onboarded like that week. So actually Shelterbox is kind of cool. It's a pretty small organization in terms of some of the other humanitarian organizations you see out there. And it's relatively new. It's only been around for two decades. And it is very much volunteer driven. So the actual headquarters team is extremely small, um, but a lot of its funding and just outreach comes from people like me who just do it because they're passionate about the mission, so. And you mentioned that you had previous, uh, you know, big trip sort of experience. Can you touch briefly on, on what those were? I understand you were uh, an AT through hiker. Yeah, so actually the AT was probably my first um, physical challenge that I took on. Um, in terms of fundraising. So I think fundraising is such a great um, addition to any big physical challenge because it really helps keep you accountable. Um, and it, it gives you a greater purpose sometimes on those days that are harder. So for um, the AT, I actually signed on to hike for mental health, which is a big one that a lot of people do. Um, and my goal was to raise just a dollar per mile. And I ended up raising a little over $2,000. Donated to wow. mental health research, um, which, you know, seeing that modest success really did encourage me to take on some other, um, some other physical challenges. So last summer, uh, I actually cycled around the U.S. with a team for an organization called Bike and Build. And what they do is they partner with different affordable housing nonprofits, as well as Habitat for Humanity. And what we do is we cycle um, from community to community 
and either help build or kind of give presentations to the community about the affordable housing crisis in the U.S. Um, and with that project, as a team, I ended up raising over $50,000. Um, so it's kind of been like a small incremental thing. And, um, you know, this past spring, whenever COVID happened, I, I had all kinds of plans for the summer, but they all immediately got canceled. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I, I still want to be doing something. And um, I was very, being very tapped into the humanitarian assistance world and still seeing like just because we're in the midst of a pandemic didn't mean that disasters just magically stopped. It just wasn't something that people were talking about anymore. And it was showing yeah. up just as a, if, if it was showing up on our radar, it was just a blip. And, um, you know, seeing these populations, they truly are some of the most vulnerable people on our planet. Like if you're being told to shelter in place and you just lost your home because of a, you know, category five cyclone, it's a little hard to do that. Um, also, also, you know, if you're a refugee, you're often living in close proximity with other individuals. You probably have a fragile healthcare system. You're having to share a lot of things. And I just thought I'd, I'd like to bring awareness um, to this growing need around the world. Um, so I was thinking, you know, maybe I could do a through hike. Maybe I could, I don't know, do, do some other physical challenge. What, what, is, what can I do? And I was sitting in my apartment in Denver, just kind of looking out at the mountains. And I was like, it seems fitting that I should go out and find some physical mountains to climb. As we as a global community are kind of coming together to wrestle with and overcome this very metaphorical mountain that is COVID-19. And so how many 14ers had you climbed prior to uh, deciding, hey, 14ers, Zero. yeah, that's it. Zero, yeah. And, and uh, did, you, uh, did you do any of these solo after you kind of got your feet wet with a few of them or, yeah? Yeah, I, I did end up taking on, um, but, but not that many, to be honest. I think out of the 58, I might've done seven solo. What? Um, yeah, just absolutely incredible because I didn't have like a study partner throughout the project or anything. But um, so I think that was the best part of this project was just seeing the community that came together to rally behind them, Shelterbox's mission and what I was doing. Um, because I started off just kind of with this motley crew, friends from the Appalachian Trail, friends from school, just random people I met on the mountain or who heard about the project and wanted to come out and join me. Um, so it was really cool. The, I, I definitely created kind of a tramily out there and um, it was, you know, everyone had different reasons for being out there, but it was just absolutely incredible. And I should mention that she did do nine peaks with Ian of Gossamer Gear, who was on last oh, nice. month's show and who is the one that is generating the 15% discount using trail show code MUDFALCON2020. Yeah, Ian's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Bert, I'm looking at a photo of you on top of uh, one of the 14ers, and that green box is rather large, and it looks like you've got it hooked to an external frame pack. Did you take that thing to the top of each summit? I mean, yeah. you took it across the knife's edge on <laughs> Capitol? Yeah. So uh, that's the only one it didn't make it across, but that's okay. just because everyone told me like my sponsors were like, please do not do anything dangerous, you know, safety first. And we, I really did try to prioritize that. But um, so for capital, because that was the one, even before I climbed a 14 or people were scaring me about. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I took, it up, yeah, yeah, I took it up to, yeah. to K2 and I left it at K2. 
Okay. Um, but I, what did I, you carry in the box? <laughs> uh, so I did just like normal hikes, stuff. Yeah, most of these hikes were just day hikes, and yeah. you can tell like the box is definitely it, it's just a giant box strapped to a, a metal frame, you know. So it's not built. What you <laughs> mean you didn't carry the contents with the big tent and everything in there too? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Stop the call. Stop the call. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so pathetic. So but, first um, of all, you you have completed this uh, gargantuan task, yeah. And how many days did it take you to to do it in total? Uh, seventy eight days. Wow. But there were like eleven days that I couldn't hike because of that snowstorm that we had in like yeah. early September. So, yeah. And and how much money have you uh, have you raised? I saw a couple of different articles, but then I looked at your at the website on Shelterbox, and so there's some different numbers. Yeah. So um, if you count like pledged amounts, which is kind of what I go off of, we've raised just under eighty five thousand um, dollars. But donations are still coming in, and you know people are welcome to donate if they feel so inclined. What's the and website? If they wanted where, where to donate. donate. Yeah. So you can. Really, you could probably just look up Shelterbox and 14ers and you'd find it. But the official website is uh, shelterboxusa.org slash 14ers and it's spelled out. So it's F-O-U-R-T-E-E-N-E-R-S. We'll post a link. Cool. And I kind of have, you know, I, I, I would love to talk to you for a while about a, a lot of this stuff, but we, we, don't, we don't have that much time. I am I am real curious how you might encourage other hikers um, to when they are going off to do their own through hike and want to make it about something that's bigger than themselves and find a charity or a cause to to be able to give back. How they can really go about doing that in a way that's that's ethical, that's transparent, and uh, and 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 makes it so that it doesn't seem like um, kind of the thing that I feel like. You see, you see people get flamed on real hard on the Facebook uh, groups when they, they post on the PCT. Hey, I, I want to do a GoFundMe for my hike. And right. So um, yeah. how, how, how did you, how do you do that? How have you done that? And what do you think works uh, in, in three minutes or less? Boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> first of all, I think like including service into your daily life is just a a good practice and it's something that people should do, but it doesn't mean that you have to do what I did. You know, there's a million different nonprofits out there with incredible missions. So I think what you have to do first is start with your passions. Um, and even if you're not a hiker, you know, it's like, for me, hiking is a huge passion as is, you know, vulnerable populations and refugees around the world. Um, so finding a creative way to combine those is actually, it's not that hard. You know, it's like there's a thousand different organizations that support those causes. Um, what is hard is kind of getting your foot in the door maybe and becoming a regular volunteer or ambassador. Uh, so I would suggest if you do wish to do something like this, don't do it right before you're going to start your hike, you know, make this something that is just a part of your daily life. Um, and also, if you are an ambassador for a certain organization, people will come to know you as uh, a face for that organization and they'll come to you with questions or they'll use you as you know kind of their donation outlet and then i think if you're you know if you're not sure where to start 
a lot of, one of the places I often go is like Charity Navigator. They're great for finding organizations and you can kind of just search what you're passionate about. You know, you could be passionate about puppies or something. And I'm sure there's an organization out there that supports something <laughs> with puppies and um, no one, figuring no one, out. No one likes puppies. If you're yeah, four. <laughs> And it's just a matter of um, finding a way that you can combine those passions. Wow. And if people want to find out more about you specifically, do you, are you on social media? Do you have a website? What do you have? Yeah. Um, I have an Instagram. It's Britons like kittens or mittens 11. Um, and then I also have a Facebook. People can, you know, check that out. And then uh, the project itself also has a Facebook, which is where I posted a lot of I like the daily updates and videos and things. So um, I can send you guys those links if you like. Yes. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm also it. a blogger for the Trek. Okay. Oh. So people can so, find you there. Yep, definitely. And I think it would be under red. Yeah, that was my AT trail name. Okay. So oh. head over to the Trek also. And again, that project website was shelterboxusa.org slash 14ers. Yes. Incredible. Your photos, I'm looking at a bunch of your photos now. Yeah, and they're great. Just out of curiosity, real quick before we wrap, how heavy was that green box? Yeah, so dry weight. You guys understand like these oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dry weight is like eight pounds. Uh, it's ultralight. Wow. Um, and then oh. with like water and snacks and layers, it was probably... 13 pounds, 14 did, pounds. Did you have to fashion that external frame thing yeah. yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we also put like Bra a platypus Bravo. bladder inside and kind uh -huh. of drilled a hole. So I had a little hose. and Oh, inline <laughs> hydration. <laughs> yeah. And hope the wind doesn't catch you. That, yeah. that was the issue, right? So it wasn't so much the weight, but the thing worked yeah, like a giant sail. It was uh -huh. bulky. Yeah. Not oh. to mention, it sticks pretty far off your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, like, even without any wind, it feels, it seems like it would just have a real lever fulcrum effect going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. And also, I mean, some of the traverses, we, we, we did quite a few of the, the, the big four, you know. And on some of those, I know how big I am. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just, like, climb up, not realizing that the box would get caught on a rock. Yeah. And send me, like, <laughs> right back down. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Incredible, incredible. Well, we're going to post a link to the shelter box site and to your Insty, and we encourage Trail Show Nation to go go check it out, get involved, and you can still donate. So get on it, people. Uh, how long is your donation page going to be open for, or is it something that they leave open? I think it's, and you know, we're going to leave it open. And I also don't think that this is going to be the last, these will be the last peaks that me and that green box see because. Ooh. This oh, was, 13ers yeah. project next. Huh? <laughs> 600. We, uh, uh, we did talk about maybe the centennials or the four Kers. So um, looking at maybe what that next mountain challenge will be, but. All right. Nice. Keep us posted. Very Thank cool. You. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Awesome. Thanks for inviting me. Have a great night, guys. You too. All right, POD. Did we have some donors this past month? We do have some donors. We got Bernard Wolf. Bernie. Russ Not Fuss Kinder. Craig Pisco Gully. What a guy. Chris Smith. Gringo. Gringo Manning. The Bobby Walters. Congratulations. Those are wedding bells. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Joshua bow down to job Bowden, Trevor Smoke it if you got it, the bowl man, Sean Weedman, Weedman and Jeffrey Cottonmouth so Caldwell. This Spark it up. The Cheech and Sean group. Spark it up. We've got <laughs> Diane Pinkers. Dine. David Bolabost, as big as your nude TTS shirt, Viddy. Hey. Hey. Justin Knowles. Quality. Quality. Jason Lurch, not church. Barber. Don't, don't go. Uh, Ingrid Gerard. Hey. Rudy from CascadeHikerPodcast.com. What up, Rudy? Hi, Rudy. Pat the Bouncer Dixon. Get out of here. The Weekend. Al Morata. Steven <laughs> the Hustler Russell. You got to know when to hold him. Am and the Brute I'm Bruce. Brute. Don't, don't I haven't heard from him in a while. What's going yeah, on, Brute? Just come on, Brute. Where are you? Send we need to hear promos. from you. Yeah. Renee Shira Patrick. Wesley the Haggis Addict Greenwood. I need it. I need my haggis. Kevin Chickpea Cross and Sasha Honey Do Codette. Honey Do. Tebow. Not T Bone <laughs> Williams. Tommy the Meat Popsicle Stevens. Meat Meat. Joseph Pecoraro. Hey. Brandon Lothball's Love Lady. Where'd they go? Shira the Switchblady and Brian the Big McNamara. Big Mac. I bet Brian, Brandon Lostballs and uh, Eric Adequate Johnson don't have the issue of exposing themselves on Zoom. Anyway. Patty Sissu, Mattiskella. Phil Felipe Gilbert. Dave, the big giant Geode Hale. Geode. Anna Dykstra. Barbara. Not Hannah Barbara. Steven swept away with less TTS. You all called me Robin, so I'm going from that from now on. Hood. Steven. Tony Sheboygan Brewing Pits. Hey, Sheboygan, the Kenosha. Sheboygan. Uh, Rachel Dibama Die Merchant. Yeah. Eric Adequate Johnson. Dudley. Inadequate. Dantho Mpson. Danth. 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 Mpson. Uh huh. Martin the Rust Water Schwank. Ross. So raw. Richie, TS. Rich through. the Mule Glasgow. Hey, Mule, watch out for that gas. Hashtag the bread sled. Mark the Nuclear Farmer Homer. 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 Sorry, I said it wrong. Homer. The Homer. Homer. The mayor of the hose. Okay. Sarah Compassines. <laughs> now there she's going. Orion Bakken Brigayan. Orion, what's up? Eric Roberson. Roberson. And Daniel <laughs> Fundip Sharp, who I left off the list for many, many months. I'm so. Oh. Oh. D-O-D-Y. D-O-D-Y. Disco, was, you're going to have to go back and edit uh, some shows. Yeah, it was actually. He was, he was Daniel Fun Skips Sharps because I skipped him several times. Whoopsie. <laughs> And then we have our one-offs. Victor Flamingo, Hanson Smith. Flamingo. We met him Flamingo. on the Wind River High Route. Yep, he was doing the CDT, and we got to camp with him. He's and standing around on one leg. <laughs> yes, he was. Exactly. That's it. All right. That's it for donors. And I have, uh, since Delo's not back yet, let me knock out a few other things on our list. Oh, gear review. I just wanted to mention... Yeah that um, I'm doing a series of uh, articles in Spanish for Treeline Review. Mm. 
Uh, so if you have a friend who is a Spanish speaker who maybe feels more comfortable uh, reading and learning in Spanish, um, or you have a friend who's a Spanish speaker who has not been into hiking, I'm writing some articles that are a progression of how to get into hiking and car camping and backpacking and um, just a way to open some doors to some people. So you can direct them that way. Um, if you go to Treeline Review website, you will find them there. And they're also going to be posting them as they go live. One has already been out and another one is coming out probably before Halloween. The website is treelinereview.com. That's right. Um, maybe we should do our uh, media review. POD, should we ask you, maybe, maybe it's premature, but are these articles going to spin off into some kind of a YouTube channel? <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I'll be honest, I've thought about doing something in Spanish. Um, there's not a lot out there as far as that is, well, from what I've seen. Um, like I was searching for example for a video of how to go to the bathroom in the woods. And a lot of what I found was not exactly correct, not up to date, all in English and almost all white men doing the videos. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought it'd be kind of cool to do some in Spanish and my Spanish isn't perfect and that's fine. But just to open some doors, I'm thinking specifically of, of Spanish speaking women who might feel more comfortable if I'm doing a video about how to poop in the woods and I'm also a woman. So um, I smell a YouTube you know. channel. But we'll see. The problem with the YouTube channel is laziness. Well, I'll be honest. That's the problem. We can well, get you past that. So you don't you, it, you don't have to uh, go with some crazy ambitious twice a week. Post I know. I know that. Start, I know you that. Know, like, you, know. you can do once a month. Yeah, do but, whatever you, know, you want. I did once a month my whole life on other things, and I was pretty lazy about it. So this is just yet another once a month thing for me to add to my list. Wow, you really Fine. sold me there. Uh, <laughs> if you don't do, if you don't do two a month, then you've got to pay me fifty dollars. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> a there's a commitment device for yeah, you. Yeah, we'll see. No, you have to make a donation for something it. you don't like. Okay. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we've got a media review about a non-hiking movie. And yep. we've got Ask a Hiker, hopefully with Mike DiLorenzo, TBD. Don't go anywhere. Hang on to your hat. The trail show is back. We're back, people. And we reviewed a movie for media review this month that is not a hiking movie. But it is a movie that's gotten a whole bunch of traction as of late. And it has to do with something that every one of you have, most likely on that little thing in your pocket. So the movie is called The Social Dilemma. It is available on Netflix. And I think it's trending or it's been trending in the top 10 in Netflix for weeks now. I heard someone talking about it. I watched it. Beauty heard me talking about it. She watched it. And then we kind of threw it out to the group. So where should we, how should we kick Well, let's start off? with a synopsis of what the movie is. Okay. 
the movie is basically um, a dive into what what is social media, and they do a dive with lots of um, clinicians, but also with people who who did who were the founders and setting up the algorithms and the platforms themselves of Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And so the premise of the movie is how has how has social media kind of taken over and how have those algorithms targeted our weaknesses in an effort to keep us more engaged in our phones and what are the possible pitfalls of people being more engaged with their phones versus actual engagement with human beings as well as they also highlight the dangers with the you know the best example they gave is is the incline where um, disinformation is at the bottom of the incline and true information is at the top of the incline and so as humans it's easier to go downhill than uphill and that is something that hikers will understand um, and so that's kind of a synopsis of what the movie is about yeah the write-up yeah. I'm looking at real quick says um, it reiterates some of what you said but it kind of expands it says the film explores the rise of social media and the damage it has caused to society focusing on its exploitation of its users for financial gain through surveillance capitalism and data mining, how its design is meant to nurture an addiction, its use in politics, its effect on mental health, including the mental health of adolescents and rising teen suicide rates, and its role in spreading conspiracy theories such as Pizzagate and in aiding groups such as Flat Earthers. Yeah. Wow. So I, I think that this actually touched on a lot of stuff. Um, what's interesting to me is I had deleted Facebook off of my phone uh, a couple of weeks before I uh, heard about this movie. And then I watched the movie and I was like, oh, well, that was a good move. Uh, <laughs> right. For real, because I had been finding myself like really scrolling way too much and getting like worked up about stuff on Facebook that I just didn't need to be worked yeah. up about, you know? Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so I went ahead and, and deleted it off my phone. And then once I started to watch that movie or when I watched that movie, I should say, you know, it talked about uh, this idea of engagement, what, what they're trying to do. And I think it was the guy who was in charge of monetizing Facebook Mm. Uh, and he said, you know, hey, uh, he basically came on and he's like, so uh, you guys need to make money with this thing, huh? So um, what like ads then, I guess, right? Uh, and so, you know, if you're going to sell ads, you want people to, to be scrolling so that they scroll past more ads. That's how, you, that's how your monetization works. So if you're going to monetize it and you're going to try to do anything to optimize Optimize your monetization. You, what you're really trying to optimize is attention, engagement, and so that scroll, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or you know whatever it may be, that is like the addictive thing. Like the the they they want their business model depends on you scrolling more on on it hitting that dopamine receptor. But then the way that 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 thing gets short circuited, whether it's, you know, the conspiracy theory stuff or political polarization or uh, disinformation or whatever it may be, all of that stuff kind of comes from that sort of central seed of them 
them like really trying to make you uh, an attention addict uh, for for their app for your phone. Uh, and and I was like, yep, that's totally that's that's exactly why I had to delete it off my phone because I well, was, but it's not just Facebook. I mean, it's Instagram. It it's, is all of them. I mean, Facebook that. was the one. Facebook yeah. was where I was where, was where I was finding myself being problematic. Yeah, though. But, I see. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely uh, it, it had a very compelling point, you know, uh, to be made, and the the fact that they made it with people who wrote these algorithms. Yeah, you know, the, that was really were, telling. How they said that, like, you know, these people who have been involved in the industry and who were like kind of the quote-unquote founding fathers do not allow their kids to use these things like that's yeah. pretty scary and yeah. i think for me personally as someone who's involved with young people um especially young girls i mean i i feel so lucky that i grew up in the woods in a bumpkin place um where i didn't have exposure to so many judgments about my body and you know thing the my value as a human and all that kind of stuff um but i see it you know even with young young girls um and i work with third and fourth graders but um the those statistics about the rise in teenage suicide especially among young girls is is so horrific yeah. um I, I mean i just feel like if that alone isn't enough for us to pause as a society and say hey like maybe we shouldn't be doing this or maybe we need to figure out some etiquette or maybe there needs yeah. to be some regulation actually, around how these yeah, old, I actually like, social heard medias a, can be run. I heard a piece today um, on the news about, they, I don't, I just caught a snippet of an interview and they were talking about how, well, we wrote these algorithms to keep people engaged. We can similarly write algorithms that, that don't do that, that, that expose people to a variety, an algorithm that purposefully exposes you to alternate viewpoints and alternate content instead of an echo chamber and all those types of things. Dilo writes those algorithms. Dilo, chime in. I gotta say, I watched the movie. I didn't want I didn't want to watch the movie once I heard what we were watching. Yeah. Because I listened to a fantastic podcast with Tristan Harris on the Sam Harris podcast mm. a while ago. And I figured I knew everything about this subject. And you kind of get it all from listening to that podcast yeah. with Tristan on Sam Harris show. But uh, I got to say, I really liked Tristan Harris. Like that's what I, I, when I listened to Tristan on the Sam Harris show, I was like, this guy, he's super intellectual. I can't imagine he's friendly. I can't imagine he's like warm and fuzzy. But when I saw Tristan, who you may recall as the, he worked at Google as kind of the head of design or he was a head designer at Google this guy was cool. He's the one who's founded the, um, mm -hmm. the center for like ethical computational design or whatever. Um, yeah. he, he made a lot of appearances in this movie. I really liked him. I liked that guy. I mean, everything that you all have said has been said before. It's been, it'll be said again. It'll be said again and again until people, st people realize that maybe, you know, we need to just rein this in or maybe we just need to personally stop doing it you know one way or the other you talk about like moving the apps to the second screen of your page or removing them from your phone that sort of thing right until we do those sort of things this is just going to go on but i really liked tristan harris man i thought he was a friendly guy and he came off as way more friendly hmm. than he did on sam harris 
Well, I'll tell you this, um, sort of coincidence, but maybe not really. It's a couple days after I watched the movie, I went off the internet and my phone for a week. And I felt like I got a bit of my life back. I, I actually, I, I, first of all, I felt like I was back in the 1990s, like pre-cell phone, pre, pre, not pre-internet, but just like pre-internet the way it is now. But I also felt like time slowed down. I looked on my, I look at the stats. Most phones have stats. I, I had been averaging about four hours on per day on my phone. And now I had those four hours per day back times seven. So I got 28 hours of my life back. And by the end of those seven days, I actually, I did not want to get back on my phone. Like I had this like aversion to it and I've slowly like gotten back on and you know, but I'm a, I'm a little more aware of how I spend my time, especially when it comes to things like Instagram and Twitter. I still haven't listened to the news in three weeks now. And that has from a mental health standpoint and say whatever you will about burying one one's head in the sand. It's been great. I feel like less stressed. I feel less anxious. I, f I feel pretty damn good. The interesting thing about not listening to the news or not paying attention to all the doom and gloom in the world yeah. is like, you know, forest fire, smoke, engulfing where you live aside, once that passes and it'll pass, if you stop listening to the news, you stop listening to doom and gloom and you just go outside, you're mm. like, hey man, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. Like, it's really nice out here. Yeah. Go for well, a walk. Yeah. Right. And and you don't even know that it's the world is like falling yep. apart and there's corruption and there's wars and this, that, and the other thing. You just go outside and it's a beautiful day yeah. and it will be a beautiful day tomorrow unless it's plagued by forest fire smoke, but you know. <laughs> and my comment, my comment to you guys about that, and I've made this comment before and not, not to pick on, on anybody in particular, but. I already feel picked on. I know. And you know what I'm going to say that to don't be able it. to not, not listen to the news and feel like everything's okay is a privilege that not yeah. everybody has. Yeah, you're totally right. And that's, that's, that is, you know, even unplugging from the social medias and stuff in some ways is, can be kind of privilege, right? Yeah. For some people there, that's like where stuff's going on. If they unplug from the, the social media, you know, they miss out on literally the things that are happening, happening, because that's where people are organizing their actual events and things like that. So to me, one of the, one of the crazy things about this movie was that it, it shows how entwined uh, social media has right. become in, in our lives. And, and yeah, for some people to be able to just go like, Oh yeah, I'm going to take a week off of, of, of the, the social media. Yeah. Well, not everybody like can do that. Heck, or, I mean, there's some, people, there's yeah. some people whose like job it is yeah. to, to do that. But, you know, like the, the, the bad news still goes on. It doesn't matter if it's a nice right. day. Like they're, they're still uh, opening up new lands for, for exploitation and drilling. They're still weakening environmental regulations. They're still, you know, rolling back uh, the, the rights for LGBTQIA mm -hmm. people. There's like, extrajudicial killing brown people there's still kids in cages there's still all the bad stuff even if you don't look at it and so there's something to be said for maybe deleting this stuff off your phone so you're not sitting there being like an attention addict right yeah. you know 
about it, but you know, we can't, we can't not engage with the world entirely either. Right. Um, Triple O, we uh, haven't heard from you tonight. And I know you've got some opinions. Yes. Let's round out our discussion with Triple O and then move on. I also felt similar to disco when I've managed to get away from this stuff for a while, you kind of, I, I, I definitely feel withdrawal at first. Like there's no doubt about this, that this is addictive, at least for me and for many people. Um, but after a few days, it starts to go away and then you actually do feel pretty good about it. My only thought was, you know, the, the cell phone coverage and stuff is getting better and better. It's like there's fewer and fewer places where you really cannot get a connection anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being conscious about that and sometimes just throwing on airplane mode and knowing you're just not going to yes. deal with it. And, and a little tip is your phone's GPS still works with airplane mode. So you can still navigate with the maps and right. stuff without having to connect. We could spend an hour talking about this movie, but you should just go and rent it or, you know, if your friend's not home, climbing through the window, turn their Netflix on and watch it. It's called The Social Dilemma. Guys, they're listening. Literally, as we're taping this Zoom, I just got a, a notification on my, <laughs> from, my Chrome, from my Chrome browser, and I don't even have Facebook open on my Chrome browser right Damn now. Damn it. Saying that I had 40 un, un, uh, looked at notifications, um, over 40 looked, un, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that super fast. That's one of the things that Tristan talked about on the Sam Harris show. Turn off the notifications. Turn yeah, them off. I did that. You don't need to know. Well, there's a whole bunch of tips at the end of the movie. Yeah. Make sure you watch all the way through to the end. But, but you can make those tips. Yeah. You can do all those little things, and it can help you stop, like, losing control to, like, Oh, 10 notifications. Oh, six likes. Oh, yeah. I gotta get on that. You know? Look at that. Yeah. Spesh, consider getting rid of Chrome and downloading the Brave browser. They look identical, but one doesn't track your every move. Yeah, I was thinking we could put a link to that as well. Yeah. Or Brave. Firefox. Firefox is also a fantastic browser for not being plagued by a company that's business is selling you advertisements. All right. We got to get into on. Mike DiLorenzo's Ask a Hiker ASAP. Dilo, did you have any questions this month? In the uh, name of brevity, we just have one super long question. Oh, <laughs> that's POD's favorite kind of question. Yeah, because I can right. tune out until the end when the it, question is actually hey, read. Dilo, just so you know, there's people that listen to the show at two times speed. So if you uh-huh. can read the question extra slowly... It'll sound normal. You know, I have no, I, I don't really care about the people that listen to things at two times speed because that's not how we live life, man. We no. live life at one times the that's speed, right. right? So In if you're, fact, you should punish them by reading it extra fast. So yeah, so that they're just, down. Yeah, I have, no, I have no sympathy for those people that listen to things at two times speed. You can't process things that fast. Dear Trail Show, I'm normally a kayak trekker because I prefer to get my exercise sitting on my butt and I'd like to bring along 80 pounds worth of gear. But since the pandemic, all the yeehaws that couldn't buy a bicycle instead went out and bought a kayak. Mm. I'm guilty. (laughs) Now, (laughs) all the puddings are jam-packed with nine-foot as in sporting goods, as we call them. Whoa. Wanting to get away from it all, I decided to dust off my 1996 Kelty internal frame pack and head off to the Dolly Sods wilderness, not wanting to be the nine-foot 
trails. I went during the weekdays and barely saw anyone on the trail. But you could tell that Dolly Sods has likewise seen a drastic COVID increase in usership, like almost all outdoor spots on weekends. So that brings me to my question. One of the ways I could tell lots of people had been on the trails over the weekend was the abundance of cat holes. Dolly Sods is definitely a laissez-faire kind of place. No bridges, hardly any signs, and the camping instructions pretty much stay, say stay 100 feet from the roadways and that's it. And the instructions were, I think, don't poop next to a fire ring. <clears throat> but in walking next to popular camping areas, there were more than a few excavations that were, shall we say, less than six inches. Mm. So here's really the question. Somehow I got some local intel about reindeer moss. I can't say it's everywhere, but it is quite common. Early in the day's hike, I grabbed a small wad, stowed some in my back pocket, and it stayed fresh throughout the morning. And the, re re the reviews were 4.5 stars. Behind, excuse the pun, the squirt bottle bidet, but well better than the pandemic era TP. In the rocky West Virginia soil, getting down deep is difficult, but the reindeer moss isn't at least sending up the surrender flag, right? So here's the real question. I guess for finally getting to the question okay. here. This is like the fifth paragraph. A lot of buildup. Yeah. Is this poor backcountry practice? I know I don't want to denude the sods of reindeer moss, although I think that is unlikely. I typically don't approve of picking native vegetation, but it's a handful of reindeer moss worse than handfuls of blueberries I consumed. I'm not suggesting this as a substitute for pack everything out places that POD goes to, but isn't this better than the four inch deep white flags? Anyway, I never listened to the trail show, and I certainly won't after we reclaim our launch ramps. But the lure of reindeer moss might get me out into the high country again, and soon. And this was from Kayak Bob in Delaware. Kayak Bob, the first thing I'd say is just make sure whatever you do, don't use the blueberries in place of the reindeer moss <laughs> to wipe your ass, because that will lead to all kind of trouble. Blue ass. Blast. Don't want that. Don't want that. I, I guess if you're trying to be like super hardcore, leave no trace, using these materials like a leaf or moss is probably like less than perfect, but it's also pretty common practice. And I don't really feel like uh, there's a problem with like using, yeah, smooth rocks, sticks, leaves, moss, things like that to, to get the job done special mm. he took more than pictures uh i mean but he he left it most yeah i mean yeah, like he left the, it he didn't pack it, it out yeah Did he bury I mean, the reindeer moss like what's he the moved it a couple hours away i but, don't know where the reindeer moss is that's a good question for kayak bob where did you leave the soil so, you know moss? this description is kind of like circumspect but it it kind of sounds like like he's saying hey you know sometimes this soil is really tough to actually dig a good cat hole people definitely aren't doing it and so like teepees out at the surface a lot would it be better if maybe we were using something that was natural to the environment uh and and that would be preferable to having teepee blooms i think yes i think that you know if you're trying to dig a cat hole four to six inches deep you're not always going to be able to do that in, in rocky soils i understand that a lot of people don't pack out their toilet paper, even though that's a better practice. If you're going to leave something, 
it's probably better to leave that handful of moss that you grabbed from the tree over there than it is to like leave teepee in a hole that maybe you made a best effort to get deep, but it isn't like super deep and maybe it's going to end up blooming, you know? Spesh, what if he put the spent reindeer moss on top of a, like a flat rock that was shaped like a Frisbee and then he, he took the rock with the moss on it and flung it like a Frisbee. <laughs> yeah, that, I believe that would be a that? variation on the mud falcon. Oh, okay. I, uh, I think it might be a fuzzy mud falcon. Yeah, maybe like uh, a, ooh, a, a bearded a mud falcon. falcon. What bearded is a baby? What's there a baby falcon called? Brown bearded mud falcon. Brown bearded mud falcon. There you go. A mud so chick? I actually saw something pretty <laughs> funny the other day uh, when I was walking, uh, actually up in the Ruby Mountains. Um, and it, it was a, some animal had taken a poop directly on uh, a big chunk of bark that had fallen off and like was down on the ground, but they took a, they took their poop right in the middle of this big chunk of bark. And all I could think was like this, whatever is trying fling to it. like its version of a, of a mud falcon. Fling it. Did you fling the poo? No, it was, you gotta fling the poo. It's natural poo. I leave things where I find them. What if somebody else would have come along and also appreciated finding a, a natural mud falcon? Hmm. Well, so we a, a baby falcon is called an ias. So it's a bias. A fuzzy mud ias. A bias. A bias. Did we clear yes. this up? Did we clear this up for Kayak Bob? I fuzzy, think, my, I think, fuzzy my ass. I think we have an answer. Special said that leaving soiled reindeer moss behind is probably better than a toilet paper bloom. Yeah, but uh, I think that as they kind of alluded to in, in their letter, uh, a bidet would still be better. Yeah. You could also just not poop for a couple yeah. of days. Yep, just right. don't eat. Just don't eat. Don't, poop. Hey, don't eat and uh, take a bunch of uh, Imodium. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I also appreciate that they 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 gave me a shout out because I have carried my poo and paper many times in the summer and it's not I don't know it's yeah just, I haven't I haven't carried poo out of the woods but I routinely man, will I've take done my it so many times I routinely normalize, will take my poo for a walk around the neighborhood normalize yeah. carrying your poop around normalize yeah. poo carrying yeah Hashtag. just you know take a bag of poo and go for a walk around your neighborhood see how it yeah feels. you can. You can practice at home, you know. You can, yeah, yeah. Hey, I actually, I actually pooped in one of my wag bags on the back patio. When nice. I ordered, nice. I ordered a bunch, yeah. and I wanted yeah. to see if it was odaproof, so I pooped uh, on cool. the back yeah. patio. In HOA was calling. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think I'm going to get some wag bags, and me and the boys are going to poop in them and yeah, so I'll carry say it a little bit. None of them are completely odaproof. You need to put mm -hmm. them that's in right. an op sack. Yeah, and they they themselves have a, a a weird odor that I think is kind of strange. Huh. I've never noticed that. Triple yes. O. If you want, if you okay. want to practice around Boulder, just head to any trailhead, and you'll find a little bag of poop there. That's oh yeah, fine. that's totally true. Somebody you can make so that you can practice. Yeah. Yeah. You can pick up other people's bags of dog poo and take them for a walk. Yeah. Yep. Triple O. Cool. We got this. This question came from Kayak Bob. You have by far the most kayak experience out of the Trail Show group. So what is the, what's your MO when you're on a long distance kayak and you have to poop and you are in the water? 
uh, if you're in the water, you got problems. Because <laughs> 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 you can't really do that in a kayak. Um, I mean, I would usually just land somewhere. And, usually. And a cat hole. So not mm, all the time. That's the only way I ever did it. Okay, okay. I didn't... <laughs> or, or stop in a town because, you know, on rivers and stuff, you're usually closer to towns. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so you know, yeah, you, if you, you need to poop to in a kayak, you're in deep trouble. If you need to pee in a kayak, it depends. What's if you're, the technique? If, if you got some sort of container you can pee in, that can work. So do they, uh, do it's they a little harder that? for women, but I'm sure they can find a way. Lady well, J. the shiwi is yeah, the shiwi. great for for kayaking so do they they don't have kayaks with special designs like with a poop deck on them with a hole, <laughs> hole in the bottom like a little like the seat's just a toilet seat and you just yeah. never need to go like maybe it's like a little, an airplane like a, toilet it's like a little inflatable deal where it's you know like you you, pr you press the button and it like inflates you into a more uh a, like a squatty potty position and then yeah and you have like your you, you got like your wag bag already ready to go underneath wag there. Bag. Well, in a lot of Western river trips, you have to carry a toilet system that will pack out all your. Yeah. Otherwise, you just end up leaving a mud trout in the in the river. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we used to, we used to actually. Uh, what do they what do they call them? Groovers. Uh, groovers, yeah. Because apparently yeah, back in the day, uh, the thing that they used to use was old ammo cans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you'd sit on them and, and you get like a, some grooves in your butt. Which I always uh, thought was like. That makes fun. sense. I, I love the derivation of, of poop adjacent lingo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, folks. This is the part of the show where we end the show. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to for talking to us about his hike of the era greater yellowstone route big thanks goes to brit burt red woodrum for talking to us about her really cool hike up all of colorado's 14ers and her work with shelterbox and again go see shelterboxusa.org slash 14ers Oh, big thanks goes to everyone that supported the show by purchasing a Trail Show t-shirt. We Amazing. love you all. And thanks and praise to all our monthly donors. Get yourself a brand new, newly designed Trail Show sticker for a $15 oh. or more donation at paypal.me slash the trail show. Or just go to thetrailshow.com and click the PayPal button. We got new stickers, people, with the new logo. They're pretty sweet. I already put one on my computer. Nice. nice. You can always find us at thetrailshow.com on Twitter at Trail Show, on Insta and Facebook at The Trail Show. Facebook might be going away for The Trail Show real soon, especially after watching the social board. Yeah, we're going to delete the Facebook page. But Boom. don't worry, don't worry. Triple O's going to start up in OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Get love ready. It. We'll post. I expect to earn tens of cents a week. Month. <laughs> 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 All right, you can always find us on the stitcher app google podcast app apple podcast app and on spotify another trail show is come and gone but don't fret we'll be back in november for our thanksgiving spectacular full of beers trails and nonsense until then for beauty it's show 100 show 100 what? people 100 yeah
crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> before I went be... to bed tonight, before I went to, or before I put Leo to bed, he said, Dad, how long have you been doing the trail show? I said, Leo, how old are you? He said, Dad, I'm eight. I said, we've been doing it for eight years. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Did that blow his mind? Kind of. <sighs> and then he said, that's cool that you have your own podcast, Dad. Nice. Fell asleep. <laughs> You got Aww. some respect, man. That's yeah, awesome. that's sweet. You, you should respect. have him. You should have him go to uh, an iTunes review. I, and, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And just do you have know, it say, "I think it's cool you have your own podcast." Dad. <laughs> do you know why he asked Larry Boy about the horseflies? No. We had a very bad horsefly experience in Southern Wyoming early in the summer where the kids were hiking in shorts and t-shirts and we were next to a stream and it was late June and the horse flies were ferocious and our children were just getting eaten alive. Ooh. So yeah, he was yeah. very curious about the horse fly experience up there in Northern Wyoming. Horse, horse, horse flies yep. can ruin your, uh, ruin your day. Yeah. You got to wear some pants, long sleeve shirts, hats, yeah. bandanas. Like that's what right. them. Hashtag normalized poo caring. Why are we talking about horse flies? Show's over. Well, they can smell me. It's fine. I'm pretty sure that if you get stitches from a grizzly bear attack, you, you automatically earn like at least two zero days. Right. I tried to write wag bag and my computer auto auto corrected it to Rag bag. Did you fling the poo? No, it was. Oh, I, 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 come on, you gotta fling the poo.